What's going on, everybody? We are back. Welcome to the Cinephile Roundtable. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, JC. Yo, yo. And Elliot. Yo, what's going on, everybody? What's going on, fellas? How you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good Halloween. Yeah, great, great Halloween. Um, but we're not done with the with the fun, spooky month as we're looking at the entire horror genre, breaking down some of the ins and outs of the genre from its, its infancy in the early 1900s all the way down to the horror genre today but before we get into that let's get into some of the news of the week uh just gonna brush through some of these highlights uh first bit of news is oscar isaac has been cast as moon knight jc you seem pretty hyped up about it when you first told me about it what do you think about the, the casting yeah, no, it's perfect casting and you no know, he's a great he's one of the best actors working right now and i'm Agreed. glad that he's getting another chance to redeem himself because even though no, Apocalypse wasn't really his fault. It was just a lot of makeup. Like he's even gone on record saying that he couldn't really see anything, like from the side. So like I guess like whatever they had him on was just like straight vision. So I'm glad he's getting another chance to. Granted, it's good that a lot of people didn't even know, unless you're like a real like cinephile like into all this, you didn't even know it was Oscar Isaac under all that makeup because I think we get like like a 10 second scene in the beginning of the movie with his face. Yeah. That's about it. So I'm glad he's getting a chance to redeem himself in the Marvel character. And he's, it's not Fox. So he doesn't have to worry about it being bad. <laughs> um, Elliot, what, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, no, same thing. Uh, you know, uh, apocalypse. We, we try not to talk about that as much. as <laughs> I mean, that, that, that film is a mess, but I mean, he did get a nice little, a moment to read him, to redeem himself with into the spider verse. Maybe he'll yes. be another appearance yes. as that as a, a Spider-Man, uh, futuristic Spider-Man, but no, I mean, yeah, Oscar Isaac, I mean, the, the guy is just an incredible actor and it just yep. shows the, goes to show the future of the MCU with, uh, the t- television stuff with, uh, the casting of She-Hulk and, Miss Marvel now, you know, obviously Oscar Isaac in the mix with Disney again. I didn't think that uh, things ended well with uh, Star, Star Wars. Wars yeah, like he has a really good relationship with them, and I think this character, man, it brings out the supernatural of the MCU with Blade and now Moon Knight and and the werewolves and all that stuff. So I'm really excited for it. And Mark Spector, uh, traditionally speaking, in the comic book world, is uh, kind of the the MCU's version of Batman. Yep, with I was going to uh, say that. A multi-billionaire and all that stuff, but he's still a badass character, ex-marine, CIA corporate. So I- I'm super excited to see this character on the small screen and ultimately on the big screen. Same, same. I agree. I think with Oscar Isaac, I've been such a fan of his since. Uh, for me, it was Inside Lewin Davis, the first film that I really thought, "Oh my god, this guy's really talented." Because the first film I ever saw of him was Drive, but you know, it was a- it was a supporting role. You know, he was solid, but nothing to really be like okay this guy's a superstar in the making but then inside lewin davis and then a most violent year like i even saw i don't know if you guys have seen this film it's very very unknown it premiered at the tribeca film festival back in 2015 mojave like oh yeah we remember we talked about it that you didn't even recognize remember that mark Wahlberg comes out yeah like it's to the point i've seen that of oscar isaac so i've seen everything it was um remember because he's a translator in chat Yes, he's on Benicio's. That's like the first time I saw him, but that's not like really like like that. I noticed a little bit of his talent was um 
was drive as well. Yeah. So, so we'll see we'll see how what happens with that but with with the MCU it's not hard to expect good things. Uh next yeah. bit of news is kind of relating to the Oscar season with respect moving to summer 2021. I was talking to JC off the line on this Ellie and I'm thinking that the move feels like a cop out because MGM is saying that they want to push it to the summer because they have potential for this being an Oscar player. With the extended Oscar season all the way down to February 20-something as the cutoff day yes. for, I personally feel is what I originally thought about this film, that it's more of a box office. since It's more Rocket Man than it is Bohemian Rhapsody when it comes to awards play. And it's going to be, it's going to make money because Aretha is an icon, a legend. But well, I don't think. Things I, are better. Yeah, I don't think this movie is going to be a big player in the Oscar season like originally thought. Uh, JC, what do you think? Oh no! In regards to that movie, like you could tell, it's gonna be part of like a paint by the numbers biopic. Like mm-hmm. if it had actually stayed, the most I could think of maybe costume, you know, because the time period and the pictures they have show was it was gonna be a lot of glamour. Like Marlon Wayans was very smooth and dapper. Like though, if his head came out in, on Christmas, the the only things I really had it for was maybe maybe best actress, because or at least a, for sure Golden Globe. If it would have been in the musical category, she probably would have won that easily. But just. No, like Golden Globe and Academy Award for her performance and maybe a costume nomination, but nothing else. Like it looks like one of those movies where we'll praise her acting more than anything else. Will we? I don't really like her at all. No, I, I'm not a big fan of her, but like I feel like the singing part, which you know that movie's gonna just have a lot of to showcase all of the incredible catalog that Aretha Franklin has of music. Oh yeah, and just to, to like kind of like you know emphasize on like because basically. You know, she won her Oscar for Dreamgirls, which is mostly singing. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. really recall her really talking in that movie. Uh, what about you, Elliot? Thoughts on that, the move? Yeah, I mean, speaking of, you know, Dreamgirls, it's been over 14 years since that films came out. And, and since then, I don't think Jennifer Hudson has really had much to do in the acting Agreed. world. A lot of her other movies really don't stick out to me. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see, man. I'm um, Marlon Wayans has always been someone I've kept an eye on from his early days in acting, obviously his comedic chops. But, you know, more recently with On the Rocks, I think he has that. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he gives a supporting cast type of uh, supporting actor type of uh, uh, performance potentially. So we'll see, man. It's um, These biopics are hit or miss for me. I'm not the biggest fan of Bohemian Rhapsody. I like Rocket Man, but, you know, it's kind of hit or miss for me in that in that genre. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big sucker for biopics. So (laughs) I uh, with Bohemian Rhapsody, I see all the faults. It's kind of uh, what JC said. It's a paint by the books biopic more. You know, it's it's more rainbows and butterflies and really digging into like the real dark side of Queen. And I love Queen. Queen is one of my favorite groups of all time. So the fact that we we got what we got, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was. But I'm with you. Like it's it, it's exactly. it's flawed in many 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 ways. Like it, I don't, it wasn't Aretha Franklin. She was alive when uh, they were kind of putting the story together, right? Yes. So there's always yes. been a conversation so a, about like is she the producer on it. Yes. No, no, okay. she she was she's she like handpicked um, Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson that she, okay. she wants to play her in the bio. And, and that's the thing that gets me a little nervous is when the artist is like so heavily involved in the story, very similar to Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's just like again, is it going to dive into the depths of the character and the the ugly matters? And you know, the, of course, she's an iconic singer and one of the best of her to ever do it. But it's just like how raw and honest will the characteristics? No, that's gonna be it's gonna be like like Bohemian Rhapsody. Like I always tell people, yeah. I'm like. Bohemian Rhapsody is, of course, more entertaining than Rocket Man because just like you know, Queen, it has that entertainment crowd pleasing feel. Like I remember they even had a sing along, 
they released we released it as a single on edition. That's how you know. But I would say Bohemian Rhapsody is more entertaining, but Rockham has a better with right. but I mean movie because I agree. Like Elton John said it, like he he they wanted to cut away cut off a sex and he said, I didn't live a PG life. And mm-hmm. I and I like that. I like that. That's one of the things I was actually gonna say. Like the whole I love both movies. I but I do agree that um Rocketman's a better film because of that. Like Elton was like, yo, like I had demons examine them do your thing do what you need to do that's why i i know jc i've never spoken to you about this film elliot but like i actually am a fan of judy um because of that because i I don't know if you guys knew this but uh liza minnelli which is judy garland's daughter like pretty much she was not with it at all and as a few as an past oscar winner and a daughter of judy garland i was a little hesitant with judy because i'm like okay if her daughter is like um saying you know fuck this kind of thing what is the movie even going to be good but then really in 2020 hindsight you're like that's probably the best sign of approval the movie could have gotten because it's actually examines the demons and judy is fucking dark in terms of examining judy garland's demons like i i I mean some people aren't fans of the film and i i and jc you're one of those i i really enjoyed the film the performance is incredible i like i'm one of those i really i'm i co-sign that win without a problem but um but yeah, like it goes along with what you're saying. When like when the family doesn't have a say in it, you can kind of examine stuff a little bit deeper. Cause kind- remember, that's why um, remember Sasha was attached to Bohemian for years, mm-hmm. and he yeah. wanted to cover the A's aspect and everything. Cause like like I said, I like Bohemian, but they had the they had that he found out that he had A's like in 1984 before Live Aid. He found out he had A's in 87. They just knew that if they didn't include his A's diagnosis, that a lot of people would have been pissed off. So I had to switch around so much of that stuff of that timeline just to make, just to please that aspect. When, like I said, you know, it made freaking um, a lot of money. Like, yeah, like oh, yeah. nine hundred million. Money. Like that's like straight up comic book numbers. Like, it's kind of. Right. It's kind of sorry to cut you off, JC. It's kind of uh, the conversation we had about um, Joker. Well, you and I got cool later on last year, but like conversation I had on this podcast with other guest hosts was the fact that. Joker, we I love the film. You guys love the film. We've discussed it on here and other other podcasts. But like the fact of the matter is that movie succeeded awards wise because of the money it made at the box office. I think Bohemian succeeded awards wise because of the money they made at the box right. office. It correlates with like the struggling ratings the Oscars have that you need to bring a a box office and like yeah. Joker fit the mold. Bohemian fits the mold. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I I don't have too much faith on it, especially hearing that the movie's almost three hours long. So respect. Oh yeah, I did not know yep, that. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I, I, yeah, yeah. That that's you know they're they're definitely gonna end up trimming that if they if they want like box office like yeah. they, yeah. they got to make it at least like one thirty at most. Agreed. So uh, moving on, I don't know how much we can get into this because JC, I don't know if you saw it, but I know Ellie had a review on, oh, on his YouTube sorry. page. So uh, Mandalorian first episode. I just wanted to get some general thoughts on it. Uh, JC, you did you end up seeing it or not? No, not yet. But I mean, I I can't wait to see. I've actually been able to avoid spoilers. I just know that whatever happens at the ending is like really crazy. Yeah. Um, Elliot, do you think this end of the episode tops the end of the first episode of season one, like in terms of the reveal, without spoiling, of course. Uh, without spoiling the end of season one uh, premiere episode, we didn't see it coming. So I think that's where the element of surprise kind of hints me where. Yep. Unfortunately, there were some 
without spoiling anything, there were some hints of certain, you mm-hmm. know, things playing out. So I think this, the reveal was amazing, of course, but yeah. I think, you know, obviously meeting Baby Yoda for the first time, we didn't see that coming at all. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I, I'm with you on that. It, but overall, I do, I thought it was a great episode in terms of yeah. the fact that, like, I, what oh, I love so about cinematic. Absolutely. And, like, I don't know if you agree with me, Elliot. What I love about The Mandalorian is the fact that it doesn't use Star Wars nostalgia as a crutch. But it uses as mm-hmm. as an element of its storytelling, yeah. rather, and I really okay. love that. And me being a huge Star Wars fan, it's my favorite franchise of all time. I love one of the issues that I had with the pre with the sequel trilogy that I don't have with the Mandalorian, and I love is the fact that they're not using this nostalgia as a crutch. And the only way for Star Wars to move forward is creating original stories, and the fact that we're getting this with the Mandalorian is like incredible. And where where it uses the nostalgia, it really really plays a factor into the overall story. So. I'm all in on that. And uh, did you have any other thoughts on the on the first ep- uh, first episode? I'll say another thing that I'm loving that at least John Favreau and Dave Filoni are playing into is they're finally using the legend stuff that they've been yep. building for years from comics to novels, and they're implementing characters, which I don't want to spoil, but they're implementing characters from that, and also diving into the depths of like the Empire was crippled. So what does that mean for a village that we meet in this episode and, and mm-hmm. just the underbellies of the world of star wars this is what i've been looking for for tv of star wars and why i love television in general is we spend time of learning about characters that we thought were bad people for the longest time and exploring their kind of backstory and their origins but also just understanding the um the world and, and making this galaxy which the movie has made smaller and smaller and smaller but the tv is opening the world to all these different characters and planets so i'm loving so far what we're getting with mandalorian and you kind of nailed it for me like that's what i love about the last jedi the most is the fact that Mm -hmm. ryan johnson tried to do that he tried to open that world by making everyone realize yo like the skywalkers aren't this golden family that are the only Mm -hmm. people that are jedi anyone could be a jedi and that last scene in last jedi really emphasizes that obviously disney did not want that to happen so we got yeah. what we got with skywalker the fans yeah so yep. 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 so I'm, I'm glad that we're able to see that here and i and i think the reason why disney is is less bullish on step you know sticking their nose in it is the fact that they this isn't the skywalker family so they really don't have they don't really care as long as people watch do what you need to do kind of thing so i mean we and, can't... and real talk too i mean they, uh john favreau man he's I don't want to say Christopher Nolan of Disney, but I mean he's he's brought in he has some weight over there with Disney with obviously launching the MCU and Jungle Book and Lion King. So I yeah, think he's gonna have a, he, a he has that like Captain Kennedy. You need to go ahead and go in that office. <laughs> yeah, and Dave do our thing. So I think he has a lot of pull right now in the um, uh, Star Wars universe. Yeah, and a, a couple of months ago we actually talked in the podcast the fact that um, Disney was a it's it's not a it's not a rumor it's nothing unknown that. I don't think Kathleen Kennedy is long for Disney in terms of running Star Wars anymore. Um, she's getting a lot of hate in terms of the – I don't know if you guys are Disney fans, but I go to the Disney parks every year. And I went to Galaxy's Edge, which is the huge world at, um, at Walt Disney World last year. And while I loved it, I understand that you want to put the world of Star Wars for the first time that you know people can go experience it in the future in terms of what we have now with the sequel trilogy, but rather than living on nostalgia and going back to like, kind of like uh, universal studios in Hollywood and in Florida have uh, Hogwarts, they have the wizarding world and they live in the world of the movies that were popular. They are living in fantastic beast and that 
trash prequel trilogy that we have right now or what a prequel well the franchise movie was solid the second one was just that was that's the worst movie in that whole franchise yeah but like the fact that they're not trying to do that they're trying to put you know everything the chips on the table with the harry potter world instead galaxy's edge is more of what the sequel trilogy is there's no luke skywalker there's no princess leia everyone is just you know there's kylo ren and then there's the first order the resistance and i think that's a lot of people think that Kathleen Ketty is responsible for that, and I think that's one another strike against her because now there's the attendance is not as great as they expected in, in Galaxy's Edge because of that. Because you know, the, doesn't matter how we feel, but like the sequel trilogy is what it is. But now it's affecting Disney Parks numbers, and that's their their bread and butter. So I think her days are numbered. And what you mentioned with John Favreau oh, is great. Sure. The fact that he should take over and. Kevin Feige should stay with Marvel because the rumor I was getting into before I fell off on the soliloquy was the fact that Kevin Feige was actually rumored to take over Star Wars last year. So it was one of be too much on his tape. It'll be too much. Yeah, I agree. So like I like that idea that you mentioned, Elia, of of it being John Favreau. You know, we can we can let Lion King pass. You know, everyone has everyone has a shitty movie. I mean, I mean, I mean, in terms of visuals, which was made the main goal with that movie, it was great. That's the that's the one thing I could praise about that movie that the visuals were amazing. I rem- I remember during the Oscar season they stopped calling it live action and so you animated so they could qualify for the animated animated run that smart move Disney smart move yeah when I saw the Golden Globe now I kind of I, I remember I posted on my page I'm like I find that shit to be so funny because you know they were emphasizing so much oh live act no you just literally remade an animated movie just with like some high tech visual effects and took away all the soul because that stuff is a soulless cash grab yeah like, that movie is there is no emotion like remember a lion's sad face and happy face is the same face you can't really show that much yeah and i don't know how you guys feel about um aladdin I, aladdin is my aladdin and lion king are my two favorite disney animated films of all time so um seeing what aladdin did and it's not great don't get me wrong but at least it tries to do some things different while Lion King, you weren't King... following the. Oh. Go ahead, go ahead, JC. No, so you weren't following my page last year, but oh my god, during the whole promotion of that, I was shitting on that movie so much because the first look we got about on Will was just terrible. Yeah. I just, I wasn't feeling. I remember when, when I actually saw it, like, like I said, it's not amazing, but it was a pleasant surprise. It was a lot better than anybody expected, especially with Guy Ritchie. You know, he's yeah. it's not yeah. really the style that Disney would. Have, this is not the movie that he would make. Like. You see Snatch, you're not going to oh, yeah, that guy will, will direct a live-action Aladdin. So I remember I ate my words because I was like, I actually, Will Smith was very, you know, he, very was, good. he was very good. Yeah, he was good in that. And then, like this other the movie was just playing surprise. So I was like, the, with the amount of shit I got there for it, I was just like surprised it even was as good as it was. Yeah, I agree. And then I, you know, controversial thought, I think that Prince Ali in the live-action is better than Prince Ali in the animated version. That's just my two oh, cents. Wow. Yeah, like, and I love Aladdin, <laughs> but, like, it, it's watching both, because I, I kind of watched all the animated films right before doing the live-action. It's just kind of have a side-by-side yeah, thing. Too. And then I'm like, oh, this Prince Ali is actually pretty, pretty, oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, not bad, good. not bad at all. But, uh, yeah, so, last bit of news, did we all see the Halloween Kills 30-second trailer? <laughs> Yes, we did. I remember I sent it. I was hyped. Um, yeah. I mean, it it looks cool. I mean, whatever we saw. I mean, I don't think we're gonna get a full trailer probably till the summer at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad we even got this because I thought the 
when they the teaser trailer that came out the summer when they announced the the delay. I thought that's what we were gonna get for, probably, like I said, probably until like at least May or, or summer next year. Yeah, uh, Ellie, are you a fan of the 2018 Halloween? Yeah, I am. I actually watched it. Rewatched it last night, and uh, it has its flaws. The the fake out Doctor Loomis, yeah, I hate that the, the high school stuff storyline wasn't really all that developed. Uh, but I, I liked Allison, the new addition to Allison, and, and um, you know her her that whole relationship and passing on this kind of trauma of, from generation to generation. And Laurie Strode, just seeing where she's at now and how she's gun crazed, which I think was kind of a social commentary of how we the laws of guns are in the oh, U.S. Yeah. But I, I I enjoy it, man. Um, it's 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 refreshing again to see a comedic director dive into horror, and I think uh, what, what Green was able to do as well as Danny McBride was kind of show the serious nature of you know them as filmmakers and content creators. So uh, it's not perfect by any means, but I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's probably my favorite sequel of the Halloween franchise. I actually remember uh, last or twenty eighteen the visceral hate that this movie got from certain from certain people. Yeah, and and it's like. Do you know what we we just went through over the past like <laughs> seventeen years? We have resurrection, Halloween five Halloween. Oh my god, resurrect, resurrection, resurrection, two zombie, two zombie films, and you have yeah. the gall to sit there and say this movie is trash. Mind you, it's not my it's not my favorite sequel of the bunch. I have two more ahead of it, but it's it's one of those things that I sit there and I'm like. Like stop, stop trying to be hip. Stop trying to be cool. It's like, the sequel we've been waiting since the eighties. Yeah, like it, yeah. it. To me, it's one of those things that you sit there and you're just like, oh, you just want to, you just want to have an opinion about something. You want to have right. this controversial opinion about something, which makes absolutely no sense because it's, it's. Yeah, I, I have strong feelings on Resurrection. <laughs> it's the worst horror film I've ever seen in my fucking life. It's Kung Fu. like we have there's there's episodes in the archive where I just go off on on Resurrection Elliot. It's one of those like things that it was the first Halloween movie I ever saw in theaters. Not the first Halloween movie I ever saw. And it was just sure. like even at 13 years old, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, that ain't it. That ain't it at all. <laughs> at all. And the fact that this same director directed Halloween, too. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that that's not it. That shows the quality of a good script. Well, I mean, part two doesn't have the greatest script as. John Carpenter said he, he wrote it while being drunk most of the time. Yeah. But just the I guess connecting like you I think you said in last week's episode they like connecting it to having it take place basically right the right the second that the first one ends is like was a perfect choice. And I like I mentioned last week it's the first sequel to ever do that at the time. So it, it's pretty dope that, that 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 happened. So yeah, I mean Halloween Kills we have another year to wait for this. So um, unless they move it again. Which you see, you- nah, like, I mean, with what Blum's released like a month ago, he said, COVID or not, like, that, that movie's getting released, you know, like next year, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. God willing. So, all right. So that wraps up the news for the week. And let's get in, let's dive into the horror genre. Like, I felt this is the perfect area. You two gentlemen are the perfect people to talk the, the horror genre with, not just our top 10 favorite horror films of all time, just like the, the genre as a whole because i think because i think the horror genre to me it's me you know we're cinephiles here and we you know we appreciate great film but i think the horror genre is the most apologetic genre for me like i will sit there and i will watch garbage and i will enjoy that yeah like like elliot off this off uh, off the line jc and i recommend hot garbage super cheesy 80 like just 
just like special garbage. effects or yeah, like it's just garbage. <laughs> like there's no the other gu- way to gu- put it. <laughs> like uh, besides comedy, to me, this is like the biggest guilty pleasure franchise. Like when like when I like when it comes to comedy, just like with horror, like when a horror movie and a, and a comedy get like really bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm like I must still watch it because like I don't expect most of these movies to get good reviews. Like that's what it's such a big shock when we get something like It Follows. Or like yeah. the Baba Duke that gets like ninety percent around tomatoes because like oh you know like if a horror movie's getting ninety something, you know it's, it's like something that has to be like really amazing. But like horror movies, like it's just a guilty pleasure genre. I've learned through time, and I don't know if you guys agree. The higher the score in on Rotten Tomatoes is for a horror movie, the less the more, the, the more divisive it will be. That's that's what I've learned. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, like perfect quote to get to to start this conversation off that i found online is horror films are the present day version of the epic poems and ballads told around the fires of our ancestors like these are just store campfire stories and sometimes they work sometimes they don't work but going back like all the way to the 1900s like the the horror genre itself pretty much started with in the 1920s and they're nosferatu nosferatu and then Dracula, the Universal Monsters. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen any of these, but do you have any recollection of the Universal Monster movies? I'll start off with JC. Um, I really never really like. I I meant to see Invisible Man right before like the new one was coming out, but I never got around to it. Like I've seen stills and stuff like that. I know they're very iconic to the to the whole mythology and the whole the whole genre. Like when people when I I remember when I told you that that um Gary Oldman is my favorite Dracula of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you made a comment like, have you seen the original? You know, because I know a lot of people for a lot of people, but Lugosi is always gonna be their their Dracula. Yeah. It's it's um they're not great for in in retrospect now. They're extremely and like even slow paced for me. Yeah. Like I would say Frankenstein and the Invisible Man of the original Universal Monsters, I think they'll probably be and the Wolfman, the three top tier in terms of the films. But what about you, Elliot? Have you have you seen any of those older Universal monster films? Yeah, I, during school, I went to school for film and video, so there was a course that I took that kind of studied into yeah, the cool. old filmmaking. So I saw a handful like Frankenstein, Invisible Man, uh, the Black Lagoons, things of that nature. And and I haven't revisited them since about you know eight seven years ago, and I definitely plan on doing so. But I, I like you said, they weren't <laughs> necessarily great films but uh, again appreciating the time period they were in and how influential they were to the generations that we are in now i can respect it for what it is uh but definitely plan on with the with the critical mind that i have now and the lens that i have now on film i definitely want to explore a lot of those and 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 see if i maybe miss something some allegories some themes some messages that i just didn't appreciate during that time when i first saw it yeah and i think um america compared to germany and european filmmakers i think it was a completely different style of horror there's a horror film called i'm looking for the the cabinet of dr calagari and that's what Vincent Price, right uh oh I, no no sorry sorry he, no that's a that's so this else. is a this is a german film and it's a silent german horror film and it's really really solid stuff but when you look at that film and then we go to the universal monsters you america is was leaning more on that gothic tone and i think we had that for a long time because mgm pretty much had the MGM and Universal had like the 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 stranglehold on the horror genre until like the 40s and 50s, and I think one thing that we notice with horror is that horror adapts and horror movies adapt with what's going on in the real world. Because if we move to the 1950s with World War II, we had these monsters that were created in the water, similar to Godzilla, because Godzilla in the 50s to some is a horror film. 
Yeah. And then we look at, we fast forward all the way down to 2017. We had the social commentary of Get Out. Through the decade, you see everything change uh, in terms of horror films being based on what's going on in the country. Now, in terms of anything from the 40s and 50s, like The Fly, the the original thing, uh, have you guys seen any of those, Uh, JC? Um, it's a big no again, but like I do want to do, I do want to watch the original Fly, like because I'm like I like it's, Vincent Price. It's like, something. I've seen some of his stuff. It's something. Vincent Price. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, Vincent I've, Price I've, is solid though. He is solid in the film. Well, you can never go wrong with Vincent Price. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Elliot? Yeah. Again, the Fly was one of those films that we watched. Uh, Vincent Price was barely in the film as as often oh, as mm-hmm. he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the wife going so hard for her husband and that whole thing that played out it's it's, i remember the majority of it but again it's something i do plan on revisiting but uh, i personally enjoy the 80s fly more oh yeah me too oh me too me too Uh, same with the thing but uh yeah um and going back on what elliot said like vincent price is a supporting player in the first one he's solid the second fly because there's a there's three flies in the 50s Yeah, yeah yeah he's more in the second one and in you know he's it actually follows the same premise kind of of the fly two with the sun. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting. It's an interesting watch. I mean, I've seen I've seen like the picture, like how they made him into a man fly in the for in in the original one. Which I mean, like I said, for that time, for the period, time, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. But when I've seen those like stills and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah. Another another two films, another two films that pretty much caused a stir. Thanks to one of them was thanks to Orson Welles was uh, 1953's The War of the Worlds. The original film that came out, it's I, I I'm not a fan of the world of worlds, but the Steven Spielberg film, to oh, be honest, that's one of my least favorite Spielberg. Yeah, movies. so I actually do prefer the original, despite the cheesy uh, spaceships that we see in the movie. But it is with the time, the craze, because after the war, we we started the Cold War and all this this craze about nuclear bombings and stuff like that. So, and also another movie from the '50s that doesn't get a lot of talk is 1958's The Blob. Have you guys seen the remake though? No, yeah, I, I went and saw the original like uh, earlier this year. Like when you mentioned, like when you, I think when you got the when you bought the the remake on the, Blu-ray, the, yeah, the, you were talking about it. I gave it a chance. That was all right, but I pref- I do prefer the the blob with with my man um, drama Johnny drama. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's probably what got him on Silk Stockings and a Pacific Blue. <laughs> For for the, that's for all the fans of Entourage out there. Uh, and then we get to the '60s, and the '60s pretty much was when George Romero started the zombie craze with Night of the Living Dead. I hot take, and you guys may disagree. I don't think Night of the Living Dead is his best film. It's Dawn. It's Dawn. Uh, Elliot would agree on that, or you're Night fan? Yeah, no, definitely agree. Uh, but going back to what you were just saying in yeah. regards to just the groundbreaking nature of horror, you know, having uh, a, a black protagonist in the film was something that we really that never was seen huge. during that time, and that was really big for him to kind of, again, be uh, groundbreaking. Yeah, and it's fun. It's, it, I'm glad you mentioned that because today the movie's considered a commentary on race and also the Vietnam mm-hmm. War. Mm-hmm. So the movie, you, you mentioned like going back and watching these old horror films in terms of looking at what allegory or what themes it has night of the living dead is a perfect example of that i will say in terms of the 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 romero zombie films i will say i don't i recently rewatched day of the dead i don't like it anymore <laughs> i hadn't seen That's it in solid dude it is a snail pace of a film like i mean well all of them really are if you look at it 
I don't know. Like, Dawn, Dawn has this, as much as I do love it, it has this period of slowness. Like, remember, that movie's like two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. It's actually. It, it needs to be. It's actually finally coming out on, on uh, 4K in, oh, that, in November. Gonna, that's going to be nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So then once the 60s hit, we had the zombie craze, and then we moved to the 70s. And I think um, the envelope. I'm surprised you didn't. Give a little credit to 1960, your boy Psycho and Peeping Tom. I am going to talk about Psycho a little later because I think, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to talk about Psycho a little later in terms of our top 10 because I think Hitchcock and you know what? I I was going to save it for later, but I'll mention it now. Psycho is not, it's high on my list, but the reason it's a little lower than another film is because there is, uh, it's well known, there's articles and documentaries about this. Hitchcock made Psycho as more of a spoof to the horror genre, not as an actual horror film. He wasn't trying to reinvent the genre. He was just trying to make something different and poke fun at the genre as a whole. He ended up making a fucking masterpiece. But I think that in terms of re... Because he wasn't setting himself out there to create a incredible horror film and more of poking fun at the genre... I, I feel like, is it really, does he really, you know, is it really worth the discussion in terms of what he, what the film does for the time for that specific decade? I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. I mean, we think it's a masterpiece, but like the fact that his intention was more of a spoof than an actual horror film, because I, I think, I don't think anyone around him respected the horror genre either. So that's a, that's why I feel like, all right, he wasn't really trying to bring up the genre as a whole. He was just doing what he does is making a fucking fantastic film. But if you guys disagree, chime on and JC. No, no, just like like I just like when in 1960, even though Peeping Tom beat it by, a, I think they even mentioned in Scream Two, uh, Timmy Olyphant's character. But you know, like I feel like like with 19 1960, that and Peeping Tom. My bad about that. No, no worries. Go ahead. No worries. Uh, that and Peeping Tom, they like kind of like the blueprint, and I think like Halloween was what really like created the the slash genre. But yep. I feel that I feel that Peeping Tom and Psycho like kind of laid the blueprint. The blueprint. I'm going to say this before we move. We we get to Elliot on this. I I hated Peeping Tom. I hated oh, that, it. That movie's like, overrated. It's I saw awful. It, too. it is terrible. Uh, Elliot thoughts. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting conversation about an unintentional horror. I think of films like uh, like Silence of the Lamb or just mm-hmm. just genres that, you know, or films that don't necessarily. I mean, some people consider Joker a horror film. So it is very funny how uh, a happy accident, how, like you mentioned, it's it's considered a classic uh, a masterpiece for a lot of people. But that wasn't necessarily the intention to be this iconic horror film, a la kind of what Wes Craven does with uh, with Scream. So, yeah, it is a, a very interesting conversation to have in regards to uh the placement of the film and the intentions of it and what it ended up end up being is definitely uh, something to be noted. Yeah, it's true because I think when he does try to make a horror film, because and he does with the birds, yeah, I I'm, it's very different. It's it's and I don't think I Hitchcock's my favorite director, Elliot, and JC knows this mm-hmm. and anyone that listens knows this. I don't particularly have the birds really high up there i think it's more on the it's his last great film but i don't think it's top tier hitchcock by any stretch of the imagination but that's just that's just my two cents like i I think it'll land in my top 10 the the my biggest thing with the birds and what i think is the most masterful thing about the birds is the fact that he does not give a reason for the birds attacking they just stop 
And that's it. That's how the movie ends. The fear is still there of these people walking. When they walk out of the house and T.P. Hendren and everyone walks out of the house and they're they're scared to fucking no ends. That's the real sense of like the horror of the film, not the birds attacking or anything like that. It's the fact that they stopped and they'll start whenever the fuck they want to. So that's what <laughs> yeah. I feel the real terror of the film is. Nothing mm-hmm. else that happens in the movie for me is scary. It's that oh, not at all. I can't wait for the Michael Bay produced uh, remake of the birds. I mean, why? Why not? Why not? I mean, Michael Bay. Oh man, Michael Bay. Michael. Bay. I, I uh, the, guy, the guy just shot a, pan, a movie during a pandemic oh, yeah. about a pandemic. <laughs> I uh, and JC, JC, and I were at the the world premiere of A Quiet Place Part Two, and we're just mm. we're sitting in the balcony, and then uh, my wife oh, is like, boy. my wife is like, babe, I th- I think that's Michael Bay, and I'm like. No, this guy, this guy can't produce a good movie. Come on. And then like, she's like, no, I think that's Michael Bay. And I'm like, oh, shit. My most hated director of all time happens to be in the same fucking room as me. I I can't. I, I, I don't think there's five Michael Bay films I like, and he's made a lot. So yeah. I mean, the only ones, the, like the only legit good movie he's made is The Rock. But I do enjoy some of his movies because, you know, they just he just makes fun of movies. Like some yeah, yeah. a lot. Of, he has a lot of bad ones, but like. To me, The Rock is the only one that I'll say is like a legit good movie. Like I could say that with a straight face because I like Bad Boys one and two, but those more just like films that I grew up on and they're fun. But like I said, mm-hmm. The Rock is the only legit good one. What about you? What are your th- Elliot thoughts on Michael Bay? Since we're talking about it now, yeah, no doubt. I mean, hey, well, first you brought up The Rock, which I love, which R.I.P. to Sean Connery. But um, yep. yeah, The Rock is up there for me. I actually like Thirteen Hours um, yeah, with uh, John Krasinski and. I have a soft spot for uh, what's the film with the rock and Mark Wahlberg? Oh, pain again, pain again, pain again. Yeah, I have a soft spot for that. And then of course I'm uh, Mike Lowry and uh, <laughs> Martin Lawrence again. I, I think the, the, actually the third Bad Boys is my favorite in the franchise. Same here. Film, yeah, that's but the I, best one. Easily. I, the first they have a soft spot. The first two Bad Boys are just. I grew yeah, up with those films of being right. Martin and Will Smith fans. I always have those near and dear to me. Yeah, like with me, it's. Um... It's. I look at more of such as the, t- the bad that he makes, like the Transformers. Yeah. I like the tra- first Transformers. I actually do yeah, enjoy yes, the first Transformers. Yeah, sure. It's it's everything yeah. else after that, like especially the last two that he directed. It's the Marky Mark ones. Oh, I just don't like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> that's that's another thing too. He's he, scientist. Yeah, he's 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 hit or miss when it comes to me. Yeah. Like I like I like the fighter, and I like he's good with drama, but his action movies are really really hit or miss. Oh yeah, yeah. like Max Payne. I'll, I'll, oh, uh, shout out to the I forgot about uh, the island too. I, I'm actually. Oh, you like the island? island. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did. A, I, that, I hated that twist. Oh, the, yeah, the twist. Is a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I, guess, I, I guess that brings me. To, what do you guys think about Armageddon? Oh, I hate Armageddon. I cannot. Stand, oh, oh, I hate. The only thing I, I like about Armageddon is the fucking song, song, and even that got fucking played out by like the by August 1998. I was done. Uh, JC. No, I mean I enjoy, but I I feel is. Like, I mean, can you really call it overrated? Because it's not a good movie, but I feel like, you know, I've been doing the polls, and I know when I do that movie with what I'm going to do, it's going to win just out of popularity. Like That's what know, I mean. The, so- the That's song, what I mean. and, you know, it, yeah. I mean, would it have been easier to just train astronauts to drill instead of doing the other way around? Like, seriously, it just... You know, I don't know it's, I don't the logic of that script. And JC and, and Elliot, something that I realized when 1998, like the two biggest songs of 1998 were from two trash movies. Uh, that Google Doll song, Iris, and then the Army, and then the Aerosmith hey, song. Hey, hey, hey. And then from Sid- Bad Mouth City of Angels. <laughs> City of Angels is 
hot garbage. It is Ooh, hot garbage. I lo- I love City of Angels. Sorry, you're you're on your own on that. One. I will. I hope Elliot's on me on that. Do you like City of Angels, Elliot? It's been a while, man. I was a kid when I saw. I haven't revisited, so I I, I don't know if I have. It's on HBO. It's on so HBO much. Max, Elliot. Rewatch it. It's oh, not the greatest man. thing, but it's a good movie, and they have great chemistry. Yeah. So <laughs> as we move on to the 1970s, um. I think everything changed when in 1974 where we got Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I think mm-hmm. that is, I think it it's getting re re looked at in a negative light, and I don't know. I I hope you guys don't agree with how it's being looked at now. Like I've seen people well, say what, that. What well, I've seen people say that it's boring. There's no there's no gore. There's no this. Like I I I personally can't sit here and and talk horror with someone that just looks at gore as the what makes it go what makes a good horror film because that you're not you're not expanding your brain in terms of like what real terror is because i don't go out on the street and i'm like oh man you know this guy got run over by the car but that's not scary enough if if i don't see blood and head explode yeah i didn't see his head explode so you know what that's not really terrifying to me so i feel that this 1974 uh version of texas chainsaw massacre is incredible stuff just for the fact of like the grittiness how toby hooper shot this film is so so great and then that final scene which anyone that can it's it's on google it's on youtube documentaries about this no just with the pig that scene in the, in the oh, dining okay. room they filmed that over a few days and not the real pig so the room stunk to high yeah. heaven so it just adds like She's probably terrified because she just wants to get out of that fucking room and finish this shot. Yeah. Um, but overall, the film is is a true, true horror film in terms of what the elements of horror to me are. So I don't know if you and and I've also seen people say the remake is better. I don't agree with that at all. I like the remake. I like yes. Yeah, I like the remake. I like the trailer more than I like the movie because that trailer is incredible for the, the Chainsaw yeah. Massacre remake. But uh, cool. yeah, but. F- but for me, like, I think this kind of sets the trajectory of where the horror genre goes for, like, the next, like, 20 years. Uh, JC, thoughts? No, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of it. Like, I do, like I said, I like the remake, but I feel like the it's just, it's, a, it's a very important movie to the genre. And, like, to me, it's like, don't get me wrong, I do like to see blood splatter. I like to see the gore, but I, I really do love when a horror movie could do more than just that because it shows it's actually trying to be a good movie instead of just do, be shock value or torture porn. Uh, what about you, Elliot? Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to the film that some people still think is based on a true story, which yep. uh, is still that was a great crazy. hook for it. Yeah, the, I mean, you know, a lot of people think that you know Blair Witch started that or Paranormal, but no, it was oh, you nah. know Texas Chainsaw kind of started that nah. trend, and I, I think it's a it's a great film, man. It's like you guys said, it, it's it's set to trend for the horror genre for the next twenty plus years, and I mean, hell, there's a reason why, even though they're terrible, there's a reason why they continue to make oh my God, these spinoffs <laughs> and prequels and the We're gonna get another one. Next year, we'll get another one next year. So there's a reason for that because it 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 kind of stands the test of time as as a horror classic. So I'm a big fan of the the '74 uh, Texas. I gotta ask you guys, um, what's your favorite sequel and why is it the one with Trey Songs? <laughs> My favorite sequel is Part Two. I was actually gonna ask how you feel about that. I feel like like I, 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 I love Part imagine, Two. Yeah, it's like it's fun. Dennis Hopper is great. Like I I would love to have seen how people reacted when that came out because that is such a 180 twist. Like. Yeah. You know, you have this great horror, and then you basically do a black comedy. Like, mm-hmm. I could only imagine. I mean, I know the reception wasn't that great, but, like, I would have loved to have been a teenager and have conversations in school with people that actually saw it because 
that I'm pretty sure that was not what they were expecting at all. I can imagine it was the same reaction that Halloween 3 got. It was around, like, mm. oh, where's Michael Myers? Yeah, like, what, what, what is going on here? Yeah. Uh, and Which, you, go ahead, Leslie. It was, so, yeah, the sequel, yeah, the second one is, is probably my my favorite out of the sequel. And, and yeah, very kind of uh, Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2 kind of yes. transition in tone. But uh, I still enjoy it. But, I, but like JC, I, I'm a big fan of that remake, though, man, with Jessica Biel. I'm a big yeah, fan same of that. Yeah, same here. Oh, if I gotta ask, we're gonna get into this franchise in, in a couple of minutes, but who is more hateable, Franklin or Shelly? <laughs> JC, uh, hold on, which franchise? Frank, Franklin from Texas Chainsaw or Shelly from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three? <laughs> I'll I'll see Shelly. I'll saw that like that character. I was like when he the first fake out that he did. Like I, I, like I, I thought he was actually gonna, he was dead. So when he actually got killed, I was just happy. Like in, in the Cram Crystal Lake documentary, he even talks about it. Like um, that character was annoying. What, what about you, Elliot? Shelly, yeah, Shelly for me too. Yeah, same here. I think he's yeah. he's the first like incel on screen because he legit just calls the, the I forgot her name, the girl from Part Three that he wants to like hook up with. And he expects to hook up with her just because she's being nice to him. And when she rejects him, it's it's actually removed from the TV version. So it doesn't come off as like incelly. But she turns around and walks away. And he's like, bitch, as soon as she rejects him. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, dude, like, what the fuck is going on with you? So when Jason kills him, I'm I'm all in on that. Uh, but yeah, after Texas Chainsaw, we got what i consider one if not the greatest horror film of all time halloween in 1978 if i forgot something before then uh feel free to chime no in. yeah no, it, it, it was like from after after texas chainsaw like halloween is the is the next horror film that's considered a classic to drive the genre yeah oh, no, I, about the omen. We forgot the I, omen. I don't like the omen no but i mean i don't i'm not the biggest fan of it but you know it is considered a classic and influential mm. what about you ellie do you like the omen the the og uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yep, yep. I'm that with you. Says it all. And we, yeah. and we actually, I actually did forget it and smack myself for we forgot The Exorcist. Oh, well, that, oh yeah, but that was, but that was before Texas. Uh, was no, it was 1975, I believe. No, that was 73, and then Texas was 74. Okay, so going back on The Exorcist, I mean, what can be said? I, I don't think it's the scariest movie of all time. I want to say that at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, the first time I saw it, I was like six, so like there was certain things that scared me, like when she you know, when she turned her head. You know, it's just, I'm a six year old. You know, her turning her head like that, I was like, you know, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I agree. I think the Exorcist has some of the most ch- spellbinding, chilling moments in in horror, mm-hmm. but I don't think overall as a movie, I mean, it's, it's a still it's though. still in my top ten. To uh, spoiler alert, but it's not. I don't think it's the best horror film of all time. Like it's the first, scariest. It's the first horror film to ever get a best picture nomination. So that that's a pretty dope accomplishment. But the movie does tries to do things in terms of explaining. Like some some horror movies, and we're about to talk about Halloween, shouldn't explain anything. And Exorcist does the complete opposite and really tries to explain every little thing. Sometimes the best horror films are the one that you don't know anything and you just like watch and enjoy and that that for me that's halloween like we, we you know we talked about it in in the, on the podcast last week it's in the archives but like my thoughts on halloween is i never really look at michael myers as a true killer in terms of the villain of the film the villain of the film is evil 
like that evil is everywhere. And I think Carpenter's message at the end of the film emphasizes that, like the fact that, yeah, Michael is, you know, shot off the, you know, six times or whatever off the balcony. But once, you know, Loomis sees him, the score starts and he, you're taken to every place that he was at the entire film and it lands on the Myers house at the end. I think that's so effective because it just shows that like, you know, evil is anywhere, everywhere. It's not just one singular entity. It's, everywhere it could be anything anyone anything and i think halloween after that we get what we get with the with the franchise but i don't i think this is the standard my, whole, bearer. my favorite horror franchise yeah it's my even even it's funny this, even with the shitty sequels. even with resurrection this is still my favorite horror franchise yeah, but that's uh one movie i'm never gonna revisit again yeah same here <laughs> it's so bad uh elliot thoughts yeah, man, it's uh, we'll get to it on my list uh, a little bit later as yeah. far as where it lands. But yeah, sometimes the simplest premises can be the most haunting. And I mm-hmm. think John Carpenter really captures that in simplicity. And, and, you know, I think he's he's even quoted as saying like his approach to it was this very different for the genre in regards to how music was used. Uh, you yep. know, a lot of horror films would cue you in on when the jump scare is coming, but you didn't see it coming until it actually happened when Michael was on the screen and then the score, the iconic score hits you. Uh, and just the approach of the storytelling to me is just masterful. And uh, Laurie Strode, again, just the, the idea of this man in a mask just randomly killing people, no reason behind it, no mythology behind it, no, you know, obviously in the sequel they find out that this is the yeah, sister and the right. sibling and all that. But I, I think uh, – Man, it's it's just I watch it every year. I, I, for the very first time, I got to see it at a theater last year, which just lucky made it even yeah. better experience for me. Uh, at, or not not better, but it just added to just my love for the film. And yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of yes. uh, seventy eight Halloween. Same here. Like with Halloween, I've seen it. I, I'm lucky enough that here in Jersey, it's it stopped like a year ago, but they played it every year in theaters around mm. Halloween week. So I would catch it for about five years straight years. I would watch it in theaters. And like you said, the experience is crazy. And then yesterday on Halloween, I actually saw it at a drive-in on 35 millimeter. And it's that must have been glorious. It's glorious, glorious. Like you can't even see. And um, on the Blu-ray 4K, you can actually see when Lori and Annie uh, run into bracket when uh, Meyer steals the mask and all that fun stuff. When they make that turn, you see palm trees all the way down. And with technology now, it's great enough that you can see clearly down down the street. On 35 millimeter, you can't see that. It's 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 just so grainy. Just the way film is meant to be seen. So 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 great. But yeah, after Halloween, we get it's a gift and a curse time when it comes to some of these <laughs> movies because I think this is what we talked about. Um, Elliot with the garbage that JC and I recommend each other. It kind of starts here in this, in, in, in what, in, in what the I, best it, the, for yep, yep, the best decade for horror because man. So, hey man, that's where, where drugs became, uh, you know, big in the eighties then, you know, cocaine's a hell co- of a drug. Cocaine and horror. Rick I think James. that's a great, great, great combo there. Uh, we kind of started with Friday the 13th in 1980, which to me is not the best in the franchise. I think Friday the 13th and, uh, JC, I know agrees with me, Elliot. I don't think Friday the 13th has a complete masterpiece. Like it's the only horror franchise of the well, the, the most fun of the of the big I mean, the, four with mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw maybe including as the fourth. Like the it doesn't have a masterpiece. It has yeah. one great film I think with um Lives. Jason Lives and a whole bunch of other stuff. That's kind of the way I look at that franchise. And then, you know, 
the hot garbage at the end. But uh, yeah, <laughs> thoughts, thoughts on Friday the Thirteenth, JC? I'll kick it off with you, though. No, like I said, it's it's probably the most fun horror franchise. It's just, like I said, we, it doesn't have a single really like amazing film, but it's just like a fun franchise that I like to go back to. It has like some of my favorite horror because like, uh, it was like what like two or three the the wheelchair one. Yep. Yeah, like you know, it's just it's just a, it's a fun it's a fun franchise. Like I don't. When I when I watch it, I don't like you know like we all review movies here. Like when it comes to that franchise, I just look for it for a good time to see a lot of people have sex and get killed afterwards, yep. and to see Chelly get it. Yep. Uh, Elliot, thoughts on the original Friday? Yeah, the original. Yeah, I mean, it isn't my favorite in the franchise. Yeah. You know, I respect it for what it is. Uh, but like JC, JC was saying, it, it is a genre that you kind of know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Just you know, kids having it's the the tropes you know we talk about it now with the slasher tropes it, it definitely kind of has its own lane in that sense and i mean you, you talk about the icons the ghost face the michaels the freddies the, the, the you know uh whoever you want to name you know you can put you know all those people in the mix he has some of the most creative kills and i mean the body count oh, on Jason yeah. is like john wick level i mean the guy is out <laughs> the blood that's man. the horror version of of rambo and yeah, i have body it's count brutal. I have actually a, I have a funny story about I have a friend of mine that he's not really big into horror, but, you know, he wanted to watch a Friday the 13th movie. And I don't know what led him to this. I don't have that backstory. But the first one he saw was part five. Oh, so he saw part five. And, you know, there are some interesting kills there. But at the end of the movie, there's there's not Jason. And then he's like, wait a minute. Is Jason not the killer in all the movies? And I'm like, well, about that. So. He goes off on his own, and then he watches Friday the Thirteenth Part One, <laughs> and Jesus, then <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh no, it gets better." And then he's like, "Yo, Dave, like, what? He, the mother was the killer. Well, where where is this? So Jason is supposed <laughs> to be this popular, and to be an asshole, I was like, "Oh, you know what? You should watch. Watch Jason Goes to Hell." Oh, you're, you're so, so he watches <laughs> Jason Goes to Hell, and he's like. Yo, D, like, where the fuck is Jason? Like, this guy's <laughs> barely in the franchise. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, so about that. He's not in three of these, in these three movies, but you can watch in part two, three. And then I, I kind of steered him in the right direction, but it was pretty funny him coming back to me he after watching these. So bad. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, like you guys said, it's the funnest franchise to go back and watch. I have such a great time watching the entire franchise. Uh, even the worst stuff, I have a good time. I, I, being from this area and JC, I know you don't like it as much as me, but I have such a soft spot for the garbage of Jason Takes Manhattan. I just have such yeah. a soft spot for that. It actually went up from when I posted my thing. Like I remember I had it like at the second to last, but now it was like number nine because I rewatched it after. I mean, you had a little um, convo that day that I posted it. Yeah, like it's fun. I feel like it's just it's the title. Like I wanted more New York. I get it. It was yeah. a budget thing, so they did the whole bow stuff, and it has some great kills. Like. The when he knocks off the head of the boxer kid, and then the the Kelly who uh, kill when she he basically puts around the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I still have some great kills. It, it grew on me a bit. So I I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I think with Jason takes Manhattan, I think obviously the marketing was miserable promoting it as a movie that takes place in New York. If this movie felt came off like I'm trying to think of a good example, like Doctor Sleep does not let you does not tell you you're going to spend a lot of time at the Overlook. But so when you get that last 40 minutes or 30 minutes in the overlook, it it feels like a nice reward. If this movie was marketed as a Jason takes a cruise or some bullshit like that, 
and then we get New York at the end, even though it's like 10 minutes, I think it feels more of a, war- a reward, and I don't think the movie would have gotten as destroyed as it did. Yeah, because like I couldn't imagine being like, you know, 15 there, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to see Jason, you know, kill people in Times Square. Yeah, and, I agree. And well, come on, Vancouver is not New York. As a person that lives in New York, I, I mean, I think that that's the only thing that's shot in New York, right? Uh, Times Square stuff. Yeah, like, come on, like, the rest of the stuff is like, any true New Yorker knows that is not New York at all. No, I'm sorry. no, 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 not at all. Uh, are you a fan of t- Manhattan, Elliot? Uh, I mean, I guess another uh, kind of maybe comparison for the uh, cinematic of the MCU is like Spider-Man not really being in New York as often as people would like him to be. So yeah. seeing that Jason, they marketed as Manhattan and he's barely there. Uh, obviously, it's probably a, a mix of uh, box office. You know, they obviously know that that, that subtitle will get a lot of people interested, but unfortunately, oh, sure. it was a oh, bit of a sure. letdown. But I mean, it was some, you know, like I said, the fight on the rooftop was pretty cool to see. And, you know, uh, getting some one-two combo punches in, but <laughs> Jason just knocks his Knocks him off. out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some funny moments, man. But, I mean, yeah, it's not it's not in my top tier of the Friday no, night. No, not at all. Yeah. So the next movie I want to talk about before we move on to Nightmare on Elm Street is um, we talked about recommendations here. And um, while I am, don't regret watching this, I think this is the most... I haven't forgiven JC for recommending this movie. It's a movie that I knew about, but I just avoided it like the play. But he said it's worth a one-time watch. And that's 1980s Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> I've heard yes. of it. Never seen it. I've heard of it. It's though. on Shutter, Ellie. If you have it. Like, like don't said, listen to him. Don't listen to him. <laughs> just just, just don't listen. It's a one-time watch. It is the most disturbing movie I have ever seen in my life. It is. It, I didn't even. Is it even good? Like, I don't even. JC, you you've seen it more than once. Like, is it good? Like, do you think it's good? No, no, it's not good. But like I like I said, I mean, I enjoy it, which makes me. Come, Why do you come enjoy that? Weird. I don't. Hey, I like like I said, I do like my sophisticated horror, but I enjoy torture porn. Like, I you weren't in the episode earlier because this was from the the other one, but this stuff was so graphic that they literally took the director to court because he thought that he killed his cast like he had to provide his cast because they really thought it was like a snuff film that's how graphic it is that's the best way i could tell you of how graphic it is and the fact that they, the guy went to court because they thought that he killed the, the people that were on the film the perfect example elliot um green inferno is a poor man's cannibal holocaust oh okay yeah cannibal Holoc- that's, is, is there- that's the big influence on eli roth and he wanted to make yeah. like his own version like if you want to like like elliot said that's like the perfect way of if you seen Green Inferno, that's kind of what it is. It's just better, a better movie, I guess. <laughs> I would say that, yeah. I, I it's because I mean, like I said, Cannibal Holocaust is not really good. So I can't say like a better per se. It's a very disturbing film. Like I watch it, I watch it on my own. Like my wife gives stuff a shot. Like uh, but she wouldn't. Have... <laughs> but she no, I I think she'd probably divorce me if yeah, if, I she, if I made her watch that. Her watch that sh- and she'll take the cat. Yeah, she'll take the cat. She'll take our cat, Bruce Wayne, with us. Uh, yeah, so Cannibal Holocaust, I just wanted to mention it for anyone out there that that feels ballsy and it's on Shudder. And it's so bad that there is a uh, there is a message before the movie talking about the graphic, how graphic the movie is. So, you know, to each their own, enjoy Cannibal Holocaust if you want to watch that stuff. So then I, we- I guess, too, kind of the scale level for me, I'm just trying to think of disturbing movies of, like, just outrageous, obscure, just crazy stuff like... Um, uh, Art the Clown with the uh, what is that oh, movie called? Yeah. Oh, Terrifier. Terrifier! I love Terrifier. Terrifier. Yeah. That level of like disturbing or like uh, you know human centipede. So, in that so realm or- I don't know if JC will agree with me. The way I look at 
art the clown i look at like a jason because like those are fun kills that you watch yeah cannibal holocaust has like there's a disturbing disturbing there's a disturbing kill with a pregnant woman that almost made me throw up gotcha. yeah when you watch it maybe have a book uh, a trash can next to you <laughs> We may be hyping it up, JC. I don't think it's. I don't think you'll. Move. No, I, hey, it's just it. It depends. Like I, 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 we've never did. Like you know, this is the first time I'm really talking to anybody about horror. You know, like a lot mm-hmm. of people do have a weak stomach for horror. Like trust me, I've yeah. seen people tell me they vomited over stuff that I'm like, it's not that graphic. Like I said, yeah, it, oh, it, takes, it all it depends takes a lot on. To get on under my skin, so no, I don't okay, definitely. So I, I don't think you need the bucket, Ellie. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I, there's a. Uh, did you guys see uh, um, the the Juwan series on Netflix that came out this year? No, did mm-hmm. not. Okay. No. I, didn't, what, what is, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the, the Grudge, just the uh, it's a, the four or five hour uh, miniseries. Uh, okay. Juwan, or Juwan, the origins, and it has a pretty disturbing baby scene or a mother with a baby scene. It's pretty. Oh, like pretty the human centipede too, when she gets birth and, and she crushes mm-hmm. it on, on the. Oh man. Yeah, the, yeah. I I, I think six. yeah, the human centipede. That that's that's. I mean, I I was engrossed out with the human centipede. It it is what yeah. it is, but um. It's, I mean, part three has the weirdest shit when the guy. Yeah. It's the, the entire, the, it's, it's the, the entire prisoners. Yeah, it's pretty. pretty no, bad. no. Remember when it's like, um, I think like he sticks his dick inside the guy's like side of his stomach. He has like a hole in it. I oh, think it was. I, I've seen that movie <laughs> once, and that that's the only thing I. I, I, didn't, I didn't even finish. I, I was able to finish the first two, but the third one, I was just like, nah, this is just. It's not even fun. Yeah. It's just straight up garbage. And then we mo- and moving on to a better movie, uh, 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street. I think. This probably is, in terms of classic, the last classic of the 80s in terms of horror films. I mean, oh, wait, how can I forget nineteen? another movie from 1980, The Shining? Shining, yeah. Oh. I mean, The Shining is not a horror film for everybody. My best friend hates The Shining. My best friend, one of my my closest friend, uh, he's been on the podcast before as a guest. He has come on and said that he finds The Shining to be boring not scary and i don't know how much longer i'm going to be friends with him because the sh- <laughs> because it's, the a, sh- it's a masterpiece it's a masterpiece it's absolutely yeah. a masterpiece there's a top ten for sure but i don't think it's one of those movies that really reinvigorate reinvigorated the genre it didn't really do anything to the genre because i mean got not a couple of razzie nominations yeah so but i mean the, the shining is a masterpiece but going on no, to, yeah, to elm street i mean freddy krueger I mean, what else can can we say about Elm Street? It's probably in all our top tens. No, yeah, for sure. And it's some in my top five, but just spoiler. Some of the best horror kills of the nineteen eighties. I've any. I believe we, there's a full podcast on Nightmare on Elm Street, so I'll refrain on this one. But I'll let you guys take it from here. Thoughts on Elm Street, JC? Oh, I love. It's one of my all time favorite horror movies. Like it's just Freddy, like. I mean, granted, the sequel made it more like a, you know, like a wisecrack person. But like the first one, like he just evokes so much terror. Like the Tina kill is amazing. Like, like they did. They remember when they made the remake, they kind of did the kill similar. But like it shows how just effective the, that kill is that they remade it. And this, it, it does not it doesn't even compare, even though we have better technology now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like it's like just the because like I always I've always said it like like. I can only imagine when that movie came out because, like, you know, like he terrified people's nightmare in the movie. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people had, you know, we all have nightmares. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, you know, like I've had some nightmares where I just like wake up sweating. Like, imagine just like, you know, like, granted, it's a movie, but just that person coming out, coming in your dreams. It's just like, you know, you wake up 
sweating and like touching your body to make sure you don't have no scars. It's, it's such an effective movie, like, and it shows how the three best movies in the franchise are the ones that Wes Craven wrote and yeah. or directed. I agree. Uh, Elliot, thoughts? Yeah, no, nightmare. I mean, uh, JC wrapped it up pretty well, man. It's it's one of those things why I love horror. It's just the idea of taking yourself and putting yourself in a situation. Again, we all can relate to having dreams. We all sleep. Uh, at least I hope we all sleep. But <laughs> it's just that idea of that, you know, a, a, a demon, an entity, uh, you know, you're in his world now. It's just such a great uh, play on just reality and, and how we, you know, perceive horror. So, uh, I mean, Freddie is one of the icons, man. He's on the Mount Rushmore as far as iconic uh, characters go in the horror genre. And and Wes Craven, one of the greatest to ever do it, too. And, you know, it is pretty interesting, too, when you think of horror about how uh, some of these big time actors, Kevin Bacon in the in the Freddy or in the Friday franchise, and Johnny Depp in this franchise, it's really interesting to see and Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. See when these actors get their feet wet, they always tend to maybe you see some of your biggest favorite stars in these horror movies. So it's it's definitely iconic. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where where it lands on my list when we get to that point. But uh, no, nah, I mean, always have respect for the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and, and this one in particular for sure. And then I think um, not bypassing this, I wanted to. Sp- these specific films in this specific conversation we're about to have now 80s practical effects the thing oh yeah the fly anything cronenberg it is i mean the practical effects in the 1980s are we have these classic films that we just talked about but i think the practical effects of the 80s are what makes the 80s the best genre the best the best decade of horror because i mean what carpenter and company did with the thing is incredible Incredible, and then Cronenberg with, oh the man, fly. the fly, video drone, and and scanners. It's it's. I'm mad that that's like the scene that everybody knows about it because like I I knew the, the iconic head exploding scene before I even watched the movie. So like I like I love the fact that probably the people that saw it at the time that you know because I I highly doubt they advertised that because they probably wanted it to be like a big reveal. Like I would have loved to have, have this experience. That's why when I recommend that movie. I try to tell people not to watch the trailer, look at any pictures, because I'm like, I, like just the reaction I get from people that have no idea about it is amazing, because that's some of the best practical effects we've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing, I think, do you think, uh, Elliot, I'll throw it to you, because you mentioned The Fly mm-hmm. before. They're both classic in terms of practical effect usage, and they are both are great films, but which one had the better practical effect usage, The Fly or The Thing? <laughs> Uh, I'll go with the thing just because it was a lot of versatility within the uh, yep. practical effects and how we don't we don't so different creatures, different people turn into things. So I think from just the standpoint of this being it used in, in different varieties of scenes and characters and, and objects and creatures, uh, to me kind of stands out more versus the fly, which is more of a singular character. Agreed. And then you, JC, what do you think? No, Ellie said it perfectly. Just with the with the fly, just one character with with with, with Goblin. And then with the with the thing, which is a lot of different characters. Now, I do want to mention one specific horror film that doesn't get enough love when it comes to practical effects. And this one, I will give JC full props because he recommended this, and I think he knows where I'm going here. Reanimated. That is 1989's Society. Oh. oh. <laughs> now, Elliot, have you ever seen Society? <laughs> I haven't. No. Oh man, you got. Please watch it this weekend. Definitely. Give if you have, please. If you have a chance to watch it, it is a quick watch. Ninety minutes. It's on Shutter. The last twenty-five minutes of society 
are some of the most what the fuck moments you will ever see in a horror film and some really impressive practical effects. I thought I made my wife watch it thinking that she was going to like I thought she was going to eviscerate me for making her watch it because of what happens in the last 25 minutes. But she watched it and she's like, those are really good practical effects. Like, I had, I wonder how they did all this. And there's it, a lot of the allegory, too, that it has. Yeah, so the movie, like, I'm glad you mentioned that. The movie does have a lot of allegory and great themes in terms of how the rich eat the po- eat through the poor kind of. Th- so you will, it's pretty much a, do you, you ever, you watch the show 90210 when you're young, younger, Elliot? It's like yeah. the horror film version of nine hundred two one zero. Like the yeah, I'm looking at I'm I go, I'm Google I'm on Google now and Google Images and I see a man's face and someone's uh, ass. Yep, yep. And, that, that, uh, and that's I was, I was hoping to see that, but that's like yeah. that's that's yeah. nothing. That is nothing, <laughs> nothing compared, compared to what to it's the last twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm looking at a couple of these. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. You will see like that that ass. Face on ass that you just saw <laughs> is the most tame thing you'll see in the last few minutes yeah, of that, that movie. That's comical. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so society, anyone that's a listener, that will please check it out. It it really is some impressive practical effect usage in that film. I all jokes aside, I think it's really really yeah, it's solid. Like, it's like it's like one hour of high school, you know, like nine hundred two one zero vibes, and then you just get to the last twenty. Like if you if somebody watches the first hour, they're like. I'm like, how is this a horror movie? But then you get to the last 20 minutes and it's just like, it's a horror like David said, what the fuck? Yep. And then to finish off on the 80s, I did want to talk some 80s cheese, like some of the garbage that some of that JC and I really, you bet, really. You, bet, you know the first one you better say. I'm going to say it. So Chopping Mall. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Elliot, have you ever seen Chopping Mall? No, that's another one I'm going to put in the list. <laughs> so Chopping Mall is in a 76 minute yeah, fun-filled ride of these teenagers sneaking to the mall to like throw a party in a store, but these robots pretty much kill and shoot anyone that's in the mall after hours, and that's all you need to know. It is, <laughs> it is just ridiculous. So um, much fun, so much my fun. Biggest, my biggest goosey pleasure of all time, along with Roadhouse. What is it? That and Roadhouse are my two biggest go-to-pleasure movies. Yeah, it is so much fun. And then some of the other ones, and J- JC, let me know if I forget some of them. Sleepaway Camp, that's another fun oh, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- April Fool's Day, that's another fun one. Motel Hell, I really enjoyed. Well, oh, Do- I didn't like that one. Do- Dolls, is that what it's called? Yes, that that has the same director as Reanimator. If you've seen that earlier, Reanimator. Oh, Reanimator's fantastic. That's the same director as Dolls, Store Gordon. He just died early this year. But mm-hmm. Dolls has some... that. Like I'm a 20 year old man, but I am still afraid of dolls. And that <laughs> movie right there, like, if just when, <laughs> when the thing they do with with dolls in that movie, just like that, just still gives me the creeps. Yeah, I I, I agree. It is pretty, it's pretty spellbindingly chilling. And there. that's another like 70 something minute movie, like such an easy watch. That's actually on Amazon Prime if anybody has it listening. Yeah, and then I can't I can't think of anything else. So do you have any more, JC, on some some 80s? I cheese? mean, off the top of my head, that's I can't really think of. I mean. But those right there, Reanimator, Shopping Mall, mm-hmm. Dolls, and Society, Society one ones that I could recommend to anybody who right. likes. Because they're not great movies, well, except for Reanimator, but 
if you like 80s cheese and you know, just yeah. enjoy the horror genre just like those are good watches like 90 minutes or less each and then Amer- and practical effect we spoke about before american werewolf of london is that the 70s or did i leave it for the 80s and, and no that's 1981 okay yeah, yeah so that's another movie that has some great practical effects so, so the first mm-hmm. transformation so we go from the 1980s, which we just had oh, a great me, time. I guess I, let me throw in my wacky 80s. Oh, film, you got some I, too. Let's go. Let's okay, go. Let's go let's one go. that comes to mind, I remember when I was a kid seeing was uh, Killer, Cow- uh, Killer Clowns. Oh, of course. Of oh, course. David loves that. I David love loves Killer that. Clowns. Man, that was a wild film when I saw that one as a kid. I remember <laughs> watching that as a kid and I'm like, yo, like there's people in these fucking cotton candy. So like, <laughs> no, I, like yeah, I didn't watch it until I was like 20. I questioned cotton candy for years after that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what is going on here? It is. It's such a fun movie, though. I really. That's another one that I recommend highly, highly recommend in terms of like eighties cheese. And yeah, anything else, Elliot, on on the cheese? Oh, uh, cheese. Uh, will we consider? Uh, I know a lot of people consider Evil Dead like masterpieces in class, but I consider like Evil Dead two kind of cheesy and kind of yeah, like Evil is. Dead world. Yeah, that's, that's that's a that's a slapstick comedy. Yeah, um, I agree. Like, I think Evil Dead's it, a great movie, but like you said, Evil Dead two is more of a comedy. And then I guess uh, we didn't talk about Poltergeist. Uh, I know that's, oh, that's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, that's. And then I'm thinking of uh, like Fright Night, kind of a fun horror comedy, uh, as well as like Beetlejuice. I consider that kind of a horror yeah, comedy. Yeah, it's a horror comedy. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that comes to mind? Uh, now that the, those are kind of, the, I guess, kind of the Stephen King Sue stuff of all that stuff. <laughs> Maximum Overdrink. Yeah, all that stuff is kind of, you know, cheesy too when you kind of look at it now. Uh, and I guess uh, Hellraiser, we talked about uh, practical effects with uh, oh, Cinebites, yeah. with all Hellraiser. Cinebites. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. not a huge fan of Hellraiser. I've, Me neither. I've, Me neither, man. I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a fine movie, but Mm-hmm. I, it really doesn't really get interesting to the last like 15 minutes so yeah, the whole affair relationship stuff to me was kind of yeah i felt like i was watching like days of our days of our lives episode <laughs> and then we get into right. taking into a horror film but yeah. L- jc you love that movie right yeah and then uh fright night you mentioned is probably one of the best vampire films of yeah, all time that's going that's on one. going on with the lost boys as well so like the moral <laughs> of this conversation about the 1980s is that anyone that has not really dug into the 1980s 1980 to 1989, you guys got a lot of homework to do because there's so much great horror in in the 1980s. I can't say the same about the decade we're about to talk about. So Yikes. I would say the nine. I would, and, and we're not going to spend too much time on this. The 1990s are the dumpster fire ass crack of the horror genre. I we were doing a 90s episode a few months ago and we were just talking about the horror genre as a whole and it was so hard to look at anything like outside of scream like yeah. uh in the mouth of new Madness, nightmare like new nightmare like i that's pretty that's pretty the only three like legit great horror movies from that decade yeah i mean do you have any memories from your end of the 1990s uh jc with horror i mean for me you know like like um no like that's the decade i was born in and that but like no, like just like those three are the only great ones, and I, you know, I like the people under the stairs and tales from the hood, but like you know, it doesn't really have as much fun stuff as the '80s. And then after Scream, it was just a lot of copycat stuff like Urban Legend. I know what you, I, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, and I think before we move to Elliot here, I think I am one that does not consider because I see it everywhere, and I think you oh, guys Silence are of the lamps. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is not a horror film. I don't. That's a thriller. I, it's a thriller. It's the same people that come at me and talk about like Hitchcock is a horror director. I'm like, no, he's not. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You need to do your research and homework because like, I don't think Silence of the Lambs is a horror film. I think it's a thriller. I think it's a uh, psychological thriller. 
The same way I don't think Seven is a horror film because some people do consider Seven a horror film. I think yeah, it's I've, just, seen, I've seen that. I think that's a psychological thriller. So that's why I'm not. In, that's why I feel the '90s are such a dumpster fire because those two films are not. I don't consider them horror. But I'll let you guys chime in, Elliot. Yeah, I mean '90s. Yeah, I was born in the '90s, so of course, yeah, you got your screams. I know what you did last summers. Uh, but something that actually. A, a lot of people undersleep on is 92's Candyman, man. I love Candyman, dude. And I'm I'm uh, super excited to see what they do with uh, Nia LaCosta does with Candyman and her reinterpretation or kind of, I guess, sequel is what they're calling it. So Yeah, spiritual sequel. Spiritual, yeah. So I love that. Uh, I'm trying to think also. And then we talked about uh, Urban Legend, um, I guess, in the world of animation. Uh, when I was really little, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas kind of creeped me out as a kid. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, misery. Uh, oh, Misery. Oh, duh, yeah. Then How I, could I forget that? I forgot that one. Yeah. And that's classic. Um, that's classic. Trying to think. What else did we get in the 90s? Uh, Sleepy Hollow. I have a soft spot for that from Tim Burton. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Blair Witch Project obviously comes to mind. Um, but yeah, outside of like the screams in the world, man, I can't really think of anything else that kind of stands the test of time for me besides like i said um like Candyman and stuff like that and you got a lot of like weird comedy horrors like uh what was it nothing but trouble i don't know if you guys remember that film oh god uh, the, the dan Aykroyd. yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that the only the only thing that's good about the movie is, is you is for a good trip is like what was the first movie that tupac appeared in people would say jews but yeah. it was really that way it was digital underground yeah. And I, a shout out to uh, Don uh, from Dusto Don too. I'm a fan of that. Yeah, from Dusto oh, Don. Yeah, but yeah, classics. You kind of got you guys nailed it. Like Misery, New Nightmare, stuff like that. Like it's and Scream. I mean, it it just felt. I don't know. It felt like the genre was completely dead until Scream came out. Which mm-hmm. you know, thank God we, we just got, got a bunch of copycats. Yep, and then it kind of led to what we're gonna get into now with the 2000s. Like the, Scream, and I. Hope you guys are with me here. I think Blair Witch Project is one of the worst horror films I have ever seen. It is ex- oh, you already you remember my poll? It I is was... so overrated. It is an inc- most overrated movie of all time, and me. which led to my most disliked subgenre in the horror and sub horror genre, and that's like Found those films. I hate, uh, yeah. hate, despise found footage films. Yeah, they ran into the ground. Oh my god! Like I think the they only milked, they milked the shit out of that cop. The only I knew was dead because like. I love Cloverfield. That's probably the only one. And I don't even think it's a horror film. It's just mm-hmm. a monster film no, or no. whatever. But yeah. like Cloverfield is what it is. Um, I remember in 2014, 2015, there was a trailer for a movie called The Gallows. I don't know if you guys remember that movie. Yeah, the I, high school play I, thing. And the trailer looked really dope. And I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, I'm not, I, I hate found footage, but let me give this a shot. Yeah, and that was it. That was the last found footage movie I ever saw. <laughs> I I've never seen it, but I know what it is. Like they yeah. even they even I think it was either this year or last year they, a sequel came sequel. out with no mm-hmm. with no advertisement at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we had the we had the Sixth Sense. Do you guys consider a Sixth Sense a horror film or more of a psychological you know, thriller? Um, it's a mix of both. But like, if somebody tells me they think that's a horror movie, I I won't really fight them. Like, there's a lot of stuff that 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 you find in the horror genre. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And I think we move into the 2000s, like we mentioned before, and I think that's when torture porn really started. And <laughs> Eli Roth. Yep. Eli, and I don't like Hostel. I'm not a Hostel, Hostel. fan. Yeah. Oh, I love Hostel. <laughs> but I think with 2000, I think 9-11 changed the perception of horror from these quote-unquote monsters like Jason, Freddy, so on and so forth, to like human beings. That's mm-hmm. when you start. That's why I think we started getting a lot of this torture porn like 
and we can start off right the bat with Saw. Like I think Saw is one that is very it's a very solid first entry. And that twist is still a classic, but I think it just goes that franchise goes into like the most unfun direction. Like it's a hard sit to get through all of these because none of them are fun. None of them are fun. No, you can't. With the with the torture those people endure, you can't I mean if you find that very fun, you you are a very weird and damaged soul. Yeah, agreed. Uh Elliot, thoughts on the Saw franchise? Wow, this might be controversy, man. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I am a Saw jigsaw. So for whatever reason, man, that was like, for me, I think that's when I really got into going to the movies a lot. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of that and the paranormal franchise, which I know aren't good, but there was like, I think it just is a near and dear to me because I used to go to the theater. That was like my tradition every year. There's a Saw or Paranormal every other year. So uh, I used to, Jigsaw was, you know, live or die, make your tr-. Like I was like all into it. Me and my friend would like analyze the Saw films because we were so hooked on like the sequels. Like where are they going to go? Who's going to be? Is the doc going to come back? Well, so that'd be the I, twist. Like, yeah, so like I'm not gonna lie, like that was like my prime of like getting into going to the theaters, and I was really analyzing things and looking at Easter eggs. So that franchise got me into like the, uh, you know, the the diving into the depths of like Easter eggs and just anticipating what they're gonna do next. So, There's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. A lot I have those. them all. I have them all. I oh, so do I. So do I. I'm excited to see what Chris Rock does with uh, Spiral yeah, next that, year. Uh, so. Yeah, man. I, I guess I'm in the minority on this one, man. I'm a, I'm a soft <laughs> I read James, it. And, and that goes into my James Wan love. I'm a huge James Wan fan. Same so here. that plays into it. That's and, the and best, Lisa, that's Lisa the best as well. So, yeah. Probably, to me, the second best horror director in the game right now, outside of Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with the Saw movies, I think, for me, it's just, I love the, f- I, I, I love the first one. Sincerely love the first one. I think the second one's it's good. There's some decent entries after that but i just think for me it's just it just became one of those how what fun traps can we come up with and some of them are hard to watch like i i in two the one that always gets me even on the recent rewatch that i had was the one with the girl puts her hands up the 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 needles the needle to get the needle and she and she pretty much slits her wrist by trying to get the the needle and that's the thing with my kind of fandom of saw was like the first first couple entries the the traps were more creative in the sense yeah, were, of like, like they were trying exactly and, and plus it was like it went into that character so like you just mentioned the, the drugs she was a she was a drug addict so like it was like her it was a message of like her you know she's killing herself doing drugs so this is literally the idea of her killing herself to get you know to get this antidote to get the cure so like i i thought they were more creative in the sense of they played into who the character was in that movie yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, after a few of the sequels, it just became like they, need, you know, it just it was like you said earlier, it was like your Halloween tradition. It was just like, okay, which we, we got, we got it, we got a green lit one and just drop one for the next year, and they, you know, it was just like, okay, this is just get like some some kills is gonna get people to be like, oh shit, really? Like not much of the story, like you said, like the the kills were more creative and they kind of went with what with some of the things that the characters are going through. And I will say Saw and what I'm about to get into kind of cements that Saw is probably the only horror films of the early 2000s that tried to be original because the 2000s saw the horror remake and boy did we fucking get a lot of them. Thanks uh, to Michael Bay. Th- Michael Bay, I can't stand you man <laughs> with these goddamn <laughs> horror remakes. Um we got Texas Chainsaw which is probably the Solid. best of the How bunch. Yeah, from the produce because the Hitcher one and Nightmare on Elm Street are 
garbage. Friday Thirteenth, I hate the fog. I hate um, one miss. Was was I, one miss I've call. Never... House <laughs> last house on the left. Um, I mean every horror, every good horror movie from the eighties. Oh, pretty the much. Hills have, the Hills Have Eyes. The Hills Have Eyes. Remake. The Hills yeah, Have Eyes is solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that mm-hmm. Michael Bay as well, JC? No, no, that was Wes Craven was involved when it comes to, and and when he produced that one, that he wrote the script with his son for the second one, and then I know he produced the house, the last house on the left. Like that was a Michael Bay. That's where those are actually decent. And that's a movie that I can't even see the original. The last house on the left is a tough. Oh, I'm, a, set. I'm, a, I'm a fan of it, you know. Yeah, that's a that, yeah. that's a tough set. But yeah, with the horror remakes, yeah. I mean the the originality went away, and then we got I think pretty much in 2009 is when. Blair Witch put the found footage on the map, and then Paranormal Activity started mm. the downturn. I think because then it just became like every year there was another another um, found footage film, and I'm not really. No, nah, we got a couple every year. <laughs> it was no, like yeah. at least there was one every year. No, I'm talking about there was one Paranormal at least every other and year, then, and then like no, no, another yeah. garbage in between. Like one of the worst horror films I've ever seen was The Devil Inside. I never saw it. <laughs> Um. So fun. Fun fact, JC. Is that do the you know? elevator? So fun, the devil that's in the one with the heart with the worst. You, I know that's where you're going. Dave, yeah, so yeah, just yeah. Say that horrible ending. So the worst ending I've ever one of the worst endings I've ever seen on a horror film is this. So the movie is a found footage film. It ends. You're in a car. It's about possession. It's an exorcism film. The uh the the main girl, the main protagonist, becomes a demon at the end of the movie. The car crashes. The movie fades to black. And it states to find out more about this case, please visit www. whatever the website was. dot com. So essentially, yeah. the movie ends with promoting, promoting a website. website. Yep, it is. There you go. It, it, it I I saw that Rotten Tomato score like seven. I never bothered, but I know that ending because I like I, you know like I read a lot of articles stuff, and it was like it's always put in the list of worst movie endings. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. But then I mean, we move into the two thousand tens, and I think. A lot of things changed. We've gotten, like you mentioned indie before, horror. yeah, indie horror pretty much reinvigorated things because you were able to create stories rather than just focus on like how are we going to kill this person, how are we going to kill that person, and then we got the Conjuring universe, which is give or take. I think it's the best horror franchise going right now. I don't think I don't oh, know if you, sure. I don't know if you guys so, agree with me or not on that. No, yeah, definitely. I is because to me, like the the actual main. And the franchise of Country One and Two are really good. I'm a big fan of Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, and um, and Annabelle Comes Home. Yep. Yeah. What about you, Elliot? Yeah. No. Again, going back to my love of James Wan, man, I love that he's kind of branching off with these kind of creative directors, Andy Samberg, uh, David Chavez, you know, and and they get the opportunities to, which I think the superhero genre, you're you're finding more and more horror people, whether it be Scott Derrickson, obviously Sam Raimi getting back into the mix, James Wan with Aquaman, David F. Samberg. So I love that these horror yeah. directors are, are putting their feet in the in the. Lee uh, Wano is gonna get a, a comic. Oh yeah, for sure. I, and yeah. I can't wait, man. I think the idea behind that is because they work with so they 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 work with so little and they can give you so much with their budget. So I think that's the kind of the idea with a lot of these comic book movies with uh, the horror director so yeah i'm a big fan of the conjuring universe uh there are some stinkers in there there's no doubt but oh yeah kind of my love of again that tradition of like okay what's the next conjuring spinoff and i'm looking forward to this conjuring three even though uh you know james wan isn't directing that uh, yeah that's what that's I, the only I, thing that has me a little scared a little scared yeah but i love the idea the premise of like the first demonic case to be, ever be in history oh, oh, yeah, the, 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 the plot of it is, is yeah. like i'm all for it that plot is great yeah. it's great agreed I'm really to it, man. Yeah, and then some of the other ones to finish off this conversation. We have Get Out, we have Us, we have A Quiet Place, it we follows. have It Follows, The Babadook. I mean, 
there is a lot of great indie horror out there and just great horror out there in period now i think we're in a boom and i think the horror genre is as strong as ever there are still going to be some stinkers but what what genre doesn't have stinkers a year so um now let's get into our top 10 i mean there are some movies here that we that, that are in at least in my top 10 that i didn't talk about but i wanted to save it for this conversation here in our top 10 so i'm actually going to run through my 10 through 2 and then we'll just alternate there so a quick some quick love honorable mentions i want to give some love to the thing because it's such a great film and uh just for you jc halloween 3 season of the witch hey i'm it grew on me this this year i gotta ask i i I don't know why we didn't talk about this jay uh elliot what are your thoughts on halloween 3 season of the witch and why is it such a great sequel Hated it. so I hated it when I first saw it just because I, I saw it at the age where like I didn't know that Michael Myers wasn't in it so I was like one of those people where I was like oh I don't like it because Michael's not in it so I didn't give it a chance <laughs> or give it a time of day but as I got older rewatched it appreciate the film for what it is and yeah. uh, you know it, that was kind of the idea of the original Halloween was to have these kind of spinoffs and these kind of Halloween night uh, kind of um, anthology movies so it, it's, a, it's a fun movie it's a good movie too but uh, like I said when I first saw it I hated it yeah I, I think it's um it's do it wanted to do what American Horror Story does now. It's have a completely different story every year. It was ahead of its time. Yeah. So uh, I heard the movie was just, it's just the title. Like if it would have been called Season of the Witch and it would have been advertised as the first movie into a yearly anthology. Yep, that movie would have made a lot of money because it's a good movie. Yeah, like I've said, like I've said in previous episodes, that trailer for Halloween Three has a score to Halloween One. I mean, that's mar- yeah. <laughs> that's shit marketing at its finest. But yeah, so going through um, my ten and nine are actually the two newest films on here so i actually have it chapter one as my number 10 uh the reason i have it is because for me it's the goonies meet nightmare on elm street in terms of you have a horror film blended in as a coming of age story and i think it really really hit well the reason it's i it's so low on my list is because chapter two doesn't really complete the story the way i really liked it so Mm. but it chapter one i still enjoy a great amount my number nine is dr sleep it's my favorite horror film of the last decade oh shit nice um for me it's a film that i think as time progresses is going may appear in other people's lists i just think Mm -hmm. it's more of a film that deals with ptsd on on uh danny torrance dealing with everything that happened at the overlook plus alcoholism plus it's a perfect blend of a tribute to stanley kubrick and stephen king i think it does everything so well mike flanagan deserves so much props for that uh my number eight is a movie we did not talk about too much but uh deserves to be mentioned here is alien uh that i do consider as a horror film because it feels like a haunted house uh haunted house film on a on a nostromo pretty much it's michael myers before you know it's michael myers as a xenomorph <laughs> chased yeah. pretty much taking down all these uh all the, the the crew of the, of the ship uh my number seven i actually another movie that we did not talk about that i know that elliot loves the remake and i do not like the remake uh my number seven is suspiria um dark <laughs> that remake disappointed me so much so I love everything about Suspiria in terms of the fact that they kept the cult a secret to the end. It felt more like a twist. I I appreciate the remake more than JC because we've talked about this off the line. There's stuff about it that I really do like. I, I, I guess it's an hour too long. I just want to say <laughs> that it is an hour too long. But the move the the remake is in terms of cinematography and 
The, oh, it's gorgeous to look it's at. a beautiful movie to look at. Dakota Johnson is fantastic in it, and the the score is incredible. Too. The score is incredible. The choice they make at the end was a choice, but um, I understand I understand why it's appreciated, and I I don't the think the scene is crazy. Yeah, I don't think it's a terrible film. I just think for what I expected with how much I love Suspiria, um, and I think Dar- this is Dario Gentile's masterpiece. I think that I was very bummed out by the by the remake. Uh, but you're you're a big fan of the remake, Elliot, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the remake, man. I love the uh, the storytelling and that, what Luca did with that story. And and yeah, I, I can go on and on about it. But yeah, I'm a for fan sure. of it to say the least, for sure. <laughs> and then my number six is uh, now it gets pretty common as to what this top six will be. My number six <laughs> is Scream. I mean, it's very it's undeniable the impact it had of the horror genre in terms of putting life back into it uh and one of the most uh this actually may be the thing that hitchcock gave from psycho was be killing off your star at the beginning of the movie type of thing that, Ka- was, Casey, that was fantastic yeah casey's death still hits home it's a great 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 scene uh my number yeah. five is the exorcist uh we talked about it before the impact the film had uh my number four is a nightmare on elm street like this four, my top four is holy grail. I don't think anything will ever, ever top these four for me. Nightmare on Elm Street is Wes Craven's masterpiece. It is so great. Everything we talked about before. My number three is The Shining. Uh, Kubrick's many, one of Kubrick's like 10 masterpieces. Um, <laughs> speaking Along of, with Barry Lyndon. No, we're not going to talk about Barry Lyndon on this podcast. I don't, we we may we may run like twenty four hours talking about fucking Barry Lyndon. Um, you haven't even seen it. I don't need to see it. It's seventeen hours. What? what I, I, seventeen hours of a guy riding a horse. I don't. I don't need. I don't need. I don't need that in my life. Uh, and I've seen every every Kubrick movie except that. Uh, and then my number two is Psycho. I mean, what else can we say about Psycho? It's the in the unwanted horror masterpiece like we mentioned before this is not supposed to be something that was to be taken serious and then it turned into what it is and that's my 10 through 2 uh jc i'll give it to you okay um i just want to like give two shout outs to like two um honorable mentions misery because that hobbling scene to this like even though i know it's coming i still get like very like like uh like about it because it's like you know it's like that's something like we talk about like real characters, that's something that somebody, you know, a crazy ex girlfriend or crazy girlfriend could do to you. <laughs> and then um, Poltergeist, because I, um, David knows this, and I've been very vocal about it in my page. It's the first movie that I vividly remember, not just horror, just in general. It's like the first movie, like I can remember at being like four or five years old watching, and it's just like it's such an important movie and to the genre. Like it's probably one of the best like haunted house movies. And then um, my number 10 is Suspiria, the original. You know, like, everything David said, the performances, that score, like, ding, ding, ding. It's like Go- a Goblin great score, score is really great. The color palette and everything, just the fact that we don't we don't find out was, like, a coming of witches and everything till the end. Like, we know something's going on during the whole movie, just how everybody's acting. And um, number nine is The Fly, I think, is the second greatest horror remake of all time. It's just like the practical effects, like the final transformation of Brundlefly is just amazing. Like Cronenberg is the to me is the master of body horror. You two have seen Possessor, so I can't wait to see that because everybody's been talking about how his how Brandon is like basically like the hair apparent for his fa- his father's work. Oh, there's a lot of good stuff in Possessor. <laughs> like I can't wait. I think it should be coming out on VOD 
like you know this week next i think next friday or something maybe i think something like november like six um my number eight is the exorcist like i know it's important and i do appreciate it but like they like you said they was i don't consider like other people like the scariest movie of all time like i remember people were passing out when it came out in 1973 like i appreciate it for what it is has some great performances beautifully made but i just like i said it's one of my favorites obviously it's in my top 10 but i don't hold it into like the top two like other people do like the scariest movie of all time my number seven is scream you no know, same with everything you said they when we talked about it when we talked about it earlier like it you no know, it was probably the most influential movie to come out of the 90s i mean granted his influence created a lot of copycat movies that were that weren't even close to it like urban legend and i know what you did last summer but you know like after nightmare on elm street is west craven's second best movie in my opinion um my number six your dairy you're gonna hate me because uh, you get you're probably gonna be like so low so low but the shining Fucking like just nonsense. <laughs> hey at least i have it in my top yeah, 10 no, i'm pretty you. sure There'll be some people that won't even have it in the top ten. Like no, you're best. right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, you know, but like everything we talked about in the podcast, you know, it's like it's like Cooper's take on the on the horror genre, and it's not even really a horror movie. Like, I mean, I mean, it is, but it's like it's not like what we come to expect from the horror genre. Like, it's like so much themes about it, and it features probably the one of, if not the greatest horror performance, like in terms of actual deliver, you know, like like a great performance with Jack Nicholson. It's my number That's- two after Anthony Perkins. I, I'm with you there. Well, yeah, yeah, Norman Bates for sure. Um, my number five is Rosemary's Baby. I know it's not some one that at least at least people our age really put up there, but I really love it. Like I like the fact that you know, like it's Roman Polanski working on this. I think that's Polanski, Polanski's best movie. That Chinatown is the second, but I like you know just everything. The performances are great. Like I don't know how um, Mira Farrow didn't get nominated for an Oscar for it. Like it's an amazing performance, and I like the fact that. We never see what the child looks like, just like how it ends, like with like just her reaction to it was enough for me. Like that's sometimes how I was like, less is more. Because mm-hmm. if they would have shown, you know, like whatever, it would have been probably some terrible effects like on to make a demonic baby. So I like the I like just the fact that we just get her reaction when she sees it. Like that's enough for me to know that it's like like it gives me chills when I see that movie. Um, my number four is um, John Carpenter's The Thing. I think for a long time I thought that was his best movie. But, you know, like, I usually switch from that at Halloween because, like, I love both. Those those are, like, the two best John Carpenter movies to me. But that's the best horror remake of all time, in my opinion. It's like, like we talked about, the practical effects. And I love the ending of how we don't really know who's who's possessed he- he- Kurt Russell, Keith David. I like yeah, that. I like that. Because I feel like if we would have known, who it, like, if we would have ended with, like, one of them getting killed, it, it's, like, more, like, less is more... Like similar to like our boy David Lynch, like sometimes it's better. Ah, uh, David answer. Lynch. <laughs> it's better not to answer all the questions, you know. Like sometimes, like I said, I like looking at theories or like because I know people were saying how people have said like when um the person that's possessed like they don't have like like um Somet- so, like, so like sometimes reps. what you're pretty much saying is sometimes people d- deep dive too much instead of just like accepting and making their own theory. Yeah, like I, I like I like sometimes open endings because it makes for like fun discussion. Mm-hmm. And um, my number three is a Nightmare on Elm Street. You no, know, everything we just said, like I said, like, it's like I like the fact that that character is like you know, like we all have nightmares. Like it's something that could happen to you. I like I you know a lot. Like I've read about people that actually die from their nightmares. Like like you know, like have had like some panic attacks or something like that during their sleeps. And my number two is Halloween. Like I said, it's my favorite horror franchise. Michael Myers, my boy. My favorite serial killer of all time. Awesome. All right, Elliot, take us home. 
All right, man. So I guess my honorable mentions, just to kind of kick things off in a controversial matter, uh, I got The Exorcist, The Thing, Psycho, uh, <gasps> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, man. I got uh, I can't wait train, for this list. Train the Bastan comes on my honorable mentions as well, because I'm a big uh, zombie fan. I think that's an awesome zombie f- movie. Uh, so coming in at number 10 is uh, 2010's James Wan and Insidious. Uh, again, uh, you're going to hear James Wan probably pop up on this a couple of times. I'm just a big fan of his work. I love how he doesn't rely on jump scares, rely on blood and gore. It's just the more of the psychological aspects of his story. I think he's kind of a, an old school director in a sense of how he crafts his film. So that's my number 10. Uh, this might be a surprising one on the list here. Uh, number nine is Evil Dead. But 2013's Whoa. Evil Dead is one of my favorite remakes of all time. I yeah, love that's, that's, adding. That's good. Uh, Fede Alvarez's direction in that uh, is just so fantastic. Mia's implementing in the story, uh, the kind of twist on the drugs and, and being there on the weekend and while they can't leave. I just such a big fan of that. And the blood, I mean, we talked. You talked about it, chapter two. I mean, that blood scene at the end to me is still one of the most like best uses of blood in, in what that I, cinematic. What movie. I love about that Evil Dead remake is that I think before I don't know if it broke the record, if chapter two broke the record, but I think it was the mm-hmm. most blood used in a horror film. But there's so yeah. there's not that many deaths in the movie, so that's pretty incredible. Yeah. It is, man. I love that film, man. I have so much fun time. Uh, number eight is, uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, earlier, but Saw. James Wan's 2004 Saw, man. Again, I think the twist is incredible. I think the direction is really well done. It's kind of a mystery, noir type of approach to it at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just really love, uh, just again, live or die, make your choice. <laughs> Big fan of uh, Jigsaw. And I think, honestly, it's probably like the last, in my eyes, the last like iconic kind of uh, killer or iconic kind of horror character in, that we've got no, in yeah, a while the, the last, last one like, like more uh, than yeah do you guys think also. do you guys think art the clown could eventually get there um only for like cinephiles and like diehards i don't think we'll ever yeah. move to mainstream it's yeah. too it's too heavy right in terms of like mm-hmm. no it's just like the budget and stuff like that like i mean grant to netflix david they definitely gave it a, a new lease of life because that's how i saw it through netflix Same. like yeah. if they give that guy like a bigger budget and like it actually comes out when like theaters gives a wide release it has potential for, for but for what it is right now i feel it's gonna be a character that's appreciated more like in cinephiles or like diehard horror fans that go to conventions like you yeah because a buddy of mine is actually a producer on the second one and he says you know he says the kills are are going to be something (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it should be interesting all right sorry to cut you off elliot no no no, you're good man uh and then what was that number eight so number seven is a scream west graven's 96 scream i think again the meta nature of the film kind of like you mentioned earlier with uh uh uh, hitchcock with kind of poking fun at the genre you know i think west craven kind of does that even at his own work uh, but I think it's still just such a, you know, what's your favorite scary movie? I just love the, I think it's one of the best openings of a horror film as well. Uh, absolutely. As you guys mentioned. Uh, and it's just such a fun franchise. And I'm really interested to see what the guys were ready or not do with the fifth one. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. Really looking forward to it. And I hope we don't get uh, Nev Campbell. I hope they don't kill her off just to be shocking. I, just to that. I think, I think, I don't know if you guys agree. <sighs> I, I think they're going to kill every one of the old folk. The OGs. No, yeah, I, the think, OGs. I think they're going to kill her off actually because she didn't sign on until a week before they were Later set on. to start filming. So to That's me, the opening, huh? They, yeah, unless they had like two scripts, like one if, if she says yes and one if she says no, I feel they're going to kill her off real quick because like her signing on like literally a week before they started, they were about to start filming. Like yeah. she can't be that important to the story. I actually think. And this might be like a last minute 
casting when they bring it up because uh, I know they work well with uh, Samara Weaving and Ready or Not. I think they're going to probably cast her last minute. And she's going to be like that that first kind of Drew Barrymore kill. I hope that's the case and not. Uh, well, that I mean, if we get her like that, we will know for sure she's going to get killed. Off. She's going to be the one killed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because and I think they she's done a good job recently of being cast in something that and not letting anyone know. Like, yep. Very with, true. And that's why I think she will be making an appearance in Screen 5. I mean, so, I would love it. I, I think she is. Yeah. One of the brightest young actresses working right now. Yeah, love Agreed. it. Agreed. Uh, so coming in at number six, I have a, a new, uh, recently released film the last couple of years. That's Ari Aster's uh, Tony Collette's uh, oh, performance. Yes, uh, Hereditary. That film, like, it, it takes a lot to get under my skin. But coming home that night after seeing it in the theater, uh, looking at the corners of my wall, and just uh, I like that. That film really got against me, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ari Aster. That's... Even I know some people don't like Midsummer. I'm, I'm a fan of it. Uh, Hereditary yeah. was my to me is the best horror movie to come on the past decade. Yeah, yeah. I love that film, man. Elliot, I, I got I got to ask you just because mm-hmm. you know we need we love the sanity on here with people that know what they're talking about. Um, Hereditary is better than Midsummer, right? Yes. Okay. Just, just, okay. just yeah, yeah. put that out there. <laughs> I've seen, like, yeah, yeah. I, like I said, Miss Summer's not a decide. Like I said, it has this thing that I like. I like the how it, the cinematography is amazing. And that mm. Florence Pugh. Florence after, Pugh. After, like, yeah. to me, like, after Lupita's performance, that was the second best performance I saw last year. Yeah. Definitely up there. Yeah. And I'm excited to see his uh, three hour or four hour comedy that he's, uh, that he marked that he was going to make as his next that's film. We'll either we're going to get a director's cut or that's going to end up being a limited <laughs> series because they know when no studio is going to let him release yeah. a four hour. <laughs> Comedy like, or a com- or a comedy. Yeah, well, you know no. it's gonna it's gonna be it's not gonna be like because like hereditary to me I feel like it's a it's a family drama this guy's a horror yeah, movie grieving and all that yeah all right. all right what else you got all right so cracking my top five I got 2005's Neil Marshall's The Descent uh yes claustrophobic nature uh creatures in a cave great acting great performances i love the descent man i, I love that film the sequel i hate but i love the first <laughs> one uh 2005 so number four again i mentioned that he's gonna make making another appearance as james wan's 2013's which i consider to be the one of the, uh, the best horror film in the last decade is the conjuring awesome um again no blood uh, no gore. It's just the idea of this family. You actually care for the family, which is what I love about horror films. When you care for the characters, so when the shit hits the fan, you actually feel that impact of the characters. Yeah. Uh, I thought it's some creative jump scares. You know, we all we're obviously gonna get jump scares in horror, but I thought it was creatively put and yeah, just his craftsmanships. Yeah, the way he crafts his shots and his camera and his score. I'm just James Wan, man, is my guy. Uh, number three is another recent film, 2017. Jordan Peele's Get Out, man. Yes. I think uh, we talked about revolutionary directors in the horror genre. I think he is one of those people that is his his crafting of 2017's uh, Get Out. We're seeing that overflow into other content, other medias, you know, horror movies and comedies and superhero movies. The social commentary is like a thing now where like producers are like, okay, that's a cool idea for the script, but what's the message? What are you trying to say with the film? You know, what does it play into today's society? So I think he, for better or for worse, he is that revolutionary director that's kind of changing the genre, I've, making people be more thought-provoking with their films. I've never, just sorry to cut you off, I've never no, no, no. seen an ending that had uh, the crowd. So I like when, like when mm-hmm. Little Rail came out, yeah. you know, I lost it the whole, like, like if they would have gone with the original ending, which you know we've, I think we've all probably seen where he, yeah. where he's, where he gets arrested and everything, that would have been such a downer, and that would have been what we all expected. But when Little Rel came out, like to me, that's like, it, yeah. I mean, not as up there with like Endgame, but that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite like reactions I've got where the whole crowd just lost it. Everybody was happy, like yes, he didn't go with the cliche yeah. ending. Get the keys, Rose. Get the keys. <laughs> um, 
And then number two on my list is uh, Stanley Cooper's 1980, The Shining. Yes. Um, for those well, that, that you know, <laughs> that don't like it and say it's boring, this, that, and the other, I mean, to each their own. But to me, that's, again, going back to changing the genre in regards to thought-provoking horror films that are more psychological than just your traditional tropes of blood and gore and, and jump scares. It really plays into the mind of a, of a man that... Uh, is possessed and a man that uh, doesn't really necessarily care for his family too much. But um, I love that film to death, man. And I, it's something I watch on a, on a yearly basis. So yeah, Stanley Cooper's trying his number two for me. Same here. And then that's a movie that's almost three hours long and you don't even feel one second of it. It is yeah. fantastic. And I assume by doing my math here, our, everyone's number one is Halloween, correct? No, my that was my number two. Oh, that was your number two. Yeah. So your number one is? Psycho. Yes. Like to me, that is that whenever, whenever like those like people people ask like, oh, what's the one movie you would like to go, you would love to experience in the theaters? To me, that's the movie I always go back to. Like, I would love to have experienced the the shower scene with a you know like with a crowd because like I said, she was you know she was marketed all over the poster, like you know so nobody probably expected her to get killed. But, like I think like 30, 30, 36 minutes into the movie, that would have been like just an experience because you know you, you know she's 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 our protagonist. You wouldn't have expected her. You would expect her to make it through the whole movie. So that's like the one movie I would have loved to experience and that features my favorite score of all time. Like that score gives me chills. Like like just the shower scene with that score is just like that would have been that's the ultimate to me. That's the ultimate film experience. Awesome. And then for me it's Halloween. Uh we spoke about it already. I mean I think it's the end all be all of the horror genre. It does more than just, you know, emphasize killing people. It's just about the the idea of fear and how it's a around us yeah and john carpenter's masterpiece halloween is my number one and then elliot number one for you yeah uh number one for me man is uh is halloween 1978 john carpenter i mean we talked it's funny that jc's number one is psycho i mean the generation right the uh the child of jamie lee curtis uh who exactly. is, uh, yeah. The, yeah the queen of uh scream queen of all scream queens is jamie lee curtis and larry strode oh, and i I just love that film from top to bottom, man. From the score, is a character within itself. Obviously, the shape, uh, which is another thing. I, what I like about 2018 is they they're embracing the shape, mm-hmm. uh, which I really love. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just masterful, man. You get the the teenagers and the you know the the sex and everything that goes on, and, and as far as just that idea of like he's just literally randomly killing people uh, with no reason behind it, and it's just you know yeah. the ending of him when he comes up behind Lori when she thinks everything's done, and you know. Ah, I love it, man. Yeah, and I'd like one of the things that we talked about last week, and I'm sure you guys knew this, was the fact that they only had the girls that one scene walking home from school was the only scene that they're, they and shoot they together, and they made us care about all three of them. That just shows how, how great that film is. So, yep, that, wrap, that wraps everything up. A great discussion, guys, on the horror genre. Next month when we come back, we are going to finally be talking about Mank and looking and at the- David Fincher's entire filmography. I can't wait yeah, to dive Including in. Alias 3, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I won't tell Jenny that you said that, JC, because she actually doesn't hate Alien 3, except... When- no, it's not that. It's just the fact that we know how his career turned out. Like, if mm. if, if studio had interfered so much, I can only imagine how... I, if, we, if, if they had just had let him do his thing, we probably would have been talking about this one the same way we talk about Alien and Aliens. Mm. Yeah. That's what pisses me off so much about that. I agree. It's one of those careers that I don't think after Alien, because I don't really care for Alien 3. I don't think any of us do. I think after Alien yeah. 3, I don't think he's ever touched a bad movie. 
Like he hasn't yeah, even gotten that at all. There may be some we don't like as money as much as others, but I don't think he's ever sniffed yeah, making a bad even movie. Benjamin Blunt, which I feel is one of his things, is just because I feel like that was him trying to find. A, I mean, he did receive his first Oscar nomination, but I feel that was him just trying to do like a, like his finally trying to get some Oscar recognition because mm-hmm. it's a good movie, but it's the most unfinished like movie because Alien at least has some has darkness into it. Agreed. And then by the reactions and people I've spoken to about Mank, uh that movie will be leading Oscar nominations on Oscar Unless, um, and But it, if, if if Trump wins, it is not, it's not getting Best Picture. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't think it's winning Best Picture I, at all. If it if it uh if Trump wins this week, hopefully we have some if good news I, next if week. If Biden wins, it like, has a good shot. <laughs> yep. Hey, quick question like, for you guys. I, yes. Did you guys have any recommendations for like this year's horror? As far as like some of the tops you guys' list? Ooh. Well, it has came out this year. Mm-hmm. This year has been. I would say the Invisible Man. It's been. It's been. Rough, it's been rough this year, though. I think. Right. Well, I. You know what? Uh, I saw a Quiet Place too. I would put Quiet Place yeah, too, I'll... and the and the Invisible Man out there is my top two. And then, oh, yeah, for me, Invisible Man. I mean, and then Possessor I, and Possessor, so, Possessor yeah. number three for me. What about you? What about you, Elliot? Uh, I what, is the Lodge considered a 2020 release? Even though I know it had. I think it's January. No, 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 it's considered this because it came on theater. I believe I, it was like it right had before a, the pandemic. Yeah, because it had a festival run, and then it came out in in January, February. So yeah, so that definitely counts. That, that I think gotcha. was impressive. Yeah, I would say Lodge is up there for me. Of course, Invisible Man. Um, I'm trying to think what else came out this year. There were some good ones that I saw at the uh, Fanta- uh, um, uh, Fantastic. Oh, yeah, you, you reviewed uh, a, lot, Fanta- a lot yeah. of those. Yeah, there were some some good ones that I really liked from there. Um, like Mo- the Mortuary Collection, I really enjoyed. Uh, and then what else did we get? Possessor. Uh, once you see a JC, it's... it's oh, I'll I'm, definitely I'm hit both of you up because like, yeah. I've been feeling will, to see that. I will say, like I, I give Brandon... Brandon credit for having the boss do this what he did in the ending of the movie and yeah Ellie, I, I'm Ellie, sure about that sex scene that people's been talking about that's that's fu- that's fine with what it is yeah. jc but when you <laughs> see what he does at the end with he has balls to do that so yeah yeah what is it like balls as in like not body horror wise it's just the, it's like it's crazy he went there or it's crazy the studio let him get away with it both i don't know if Elliot okay, agrees okay. but i would say both <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm excited to hear your thoughts, JC. And then the last right. thing uh, on my list is something that just came out on Friday, which is Netflix, His House. Uh, oh, yeah, I got to get to that. Remy Weeks is someone to keep an eye out for, for a writer, director in the horror genre. Wumi Mushaku is incredible. Uh, Shape Deerpe was great in it. This is something I highly recommend. It's, it's definitely in my top 10 of this year so far. I love yeah, it. Like, I have 100% around tomatoes, like 42 reviews. Like. <laughs> Awesome. So I'll make sure to check that on my end as well. So yeah, so you got some great recommendations from everybody. Elliot, I hope that you will dive into society. I really hope you <laughs> Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> got got a list here. I got some things to check out. Awesome. Sure. So until until then, on the Real Chronicles podcast next week, we'll be back to diving into the Rocky Horror Picture Show's forty fifth anniversary and then diving into musicals as a whole. And then we'll be back with the round table next month when we break down David Fincher. All right. See you at the movies, kid. Thank you.